Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Is this the cue to jump right into it? Is that the subliminal message that you are sending Jimmy Cook on the program today. There are times that Jimmy sits in this chair. Maybe he sits in the one over here. When when I'm not here, you know, I'm not like here. I don't know the positioning that he is. But today's on the ones and twos because, hi, hello, how you doing, Greg Rakestraw? It is my turn at bat on the Fan Midday Show, the rotating cavalcade of stars or people that have nothing better to do on a Wednesday afternoon. One of the two, you decide which way you want to go on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I am happy to be sharing this time with you. Yesterday during this time, I was talking about golf and golf and golf and nonstop. Uh, That was for six hours, one of the more fun gigs I have with ISC. The annual Die Junior Invitational at Cricket Stick. Lance Ringler was my uh, partner in crime on that one. I get to today's show. What's going to be one of our topics? More golf because of the whole live PGA Tour. And I love the rub that the DP World Tour is getting off of this. That's the old European Tour, by the way. They rechristened that a, a few years ago. And back in the days when I hosted a golf show, that's been about like 11 years at this point that I have done that. Don't exactly talk about the old European tour anymore because it doesn't really exist from a name standpoint. But as I am doing a golf broadcast yesterday, this huge news breaks. And I think back to when I was in this chair filling in for whomever last year, that during a slower time of the year in June and July, man, live versus PGA tour was like one of the main topics we were talking about. And judging by those that follow this on a daily basis and are smarter than I am on this front, nobody saw the end coming this fast in terms of, uh, everybody pull the lawsuits out. Kumbaya, we figured this out. What are the details? Nobody knows, but we're merging. So Will Haskett, very fortuitously, just happened to be in this chair a day ago. So I know in talking with Jimmy Cook, he said, we talked a lot about this yesterday. I'm going to bring Will back during the 1 o'clock hour of the program just to kind of give me the Cliff Notes version just so I can educate myself. We are lucky that we have such a prominent voice in terms of PGA Tour Live Online or Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio that happens to be based in Indianapolis and now has kind of rotated through as a larger part of the fan family. So he was on with Kevin and Query this morning. He was on for three hours yesterday and he'll be on with us for about a 10 to 15 minute slice of this coming up at about 1.30. But that is one of the headlining topics on the show today because frankly, we've got several of them that are discussion worthy on the program today. That's one that we'll have a guest about. Another that we will have a guest who I will do my job as a journalist Maybe I should use the air quotes on that. I'm not sure. I, th- I think I'm something close to a journalist. Um, but anyway, um, and that is the story that broke Monday afternoon. And eventually, didn't take long, after it became unidentified member of the Indianapolis Colts, it then quickly became Isaiah Rogers of the Indianapolis Colts and placing multiple bets on the Indianapolis Colts or involving Indianapolis Colts games. And most of them of a small dollar variety, which will obviously cost him a lot of money in the future. We will talk about that. Again, I'll probably get to that in this first segment of the program. But we're going to talk about that 
I'm sure it'll be to a small degree. We'll talk about other things with the Indianapolis Colts as well. As a final week of OTAs leads into three days of minicamp next week. And then it leads to all quiet on the Western Front until training camp gets underway probably sometime around July 25th or July 26th. I haven't seen that email hit my inbox yet that actually has a full schedule of that. Obviously, details have been leaked. When I was at the complex on Friday, Shane Steichen revealed that there'll be two different training camp sessions with other teams, one here against the Bears, um, and then the following week against the Philadelphia Eagles. I know that Jim Irsay basically tweeted out that there's going to be the, the the sessions against the Bears will be evening sessions. I'm assuming that Wednesday and Thursday, the 16th and 17th of August, before the Bears. There's obviously a new man in in, in the wide receiver room, Rashad Perryman, that has joined Alec Pierce uh, and and offers more of a veteran presence in that youngish wide receiver room for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about that and more with Alec Pierce coming up uh, a little bit later on the show, sometime in the vicinity of about two o'clock. And I, and I phrase it that way, knowing that we're kind of at the mercy of when Shane Steichen wants to end practice today. It might be a little before 2 o'clock. It might be a little after 2 o'clock. But at some point in time, uh, within, you know, line of sight of, of 2 o'clock on the, uh, on, the, on the face of the clock, we'll have Alec Pierce joining us on the program today. Another topic that will not go away, mostly for good reasons, because this team keeps winning. Over the last couple of days, a bit for bad reasons because of the inability or underestimation of the desire of people in that community to want to double down on their support, Indiana State is going on the road for the Super Regional this weekend as they try to make it back to the College World Series for a second time in program history and for a first in 37 years. Indiana State should be hosting, but through a confluence of circumstances, they are not. And I don't think at this point, kind of two days after the announcement, I've got to walk you through as to why that's the case. But we'll talk about that. I'll talk about that coming up in this segment of the show. But again, there is a bigger picture story that I cannot wait to share with you. And I was fortunate enough just through serendipitous timing of life to be there kind of when this story truly began about two and a half months ago. And so as, as we've told you about the Sycamores and said, hey, this is a really good baseball team. Hey, they might be hosting a regional. Then they host a regional. Then they win all three games. And now they're on to the super regional. There's a lot of key players you could point to and say, hey, you're not there without that guy. Well, one of those guys who is undefeated as a starting pitcher this year, is Lane Miller. And as of about three months ago, he was going to be nothing more than a batting practice pitcher. He was not going to appear in a game for his fifth and final year of college baseball. He was basically, this is usually more of a major league baseball term, but it does apply to college baseball as well. He was basically off the 40-man roster. So he was on the roster, but was it on the active roster well things changed and the dude hasn't lost since giving since getting a second chance and there's other things that surround his story that are worth having a conversation about as well now i'll i'll give you a peek into how the sausage is made 
The Sycamores are flying to Texas as we speak. Today is their travel day. So I came in last night and knocked out this interview with Lane. So I can tell you, not just through um, confidence in my own ability, which I got some, um, both confidence and ability, but that goes without saying, right? Of course, you've heard me before. Um, but I'll tell you, because I've had the conversation, it was one of, one of the most fun interviews I've been a part of in a long time. I think you will enjoy the conversation. Depending on when we get Alec Pierce on the show, our chat with Lane will hit at about 2.30 this afternoon. So if you're a fan of comeback stories, if you're a fan of baseball from this state because Lane is from Boonville, he went to IU for a year, then transferred to Indiana State. If you're a fan of the military, that's part of his story too. And if you're a fan of Indiana State baseball, you will want to be listening at about 2.30 this afternoon again. Could be a few minutes earlier. I don't think it'll be a few minutes later, but just be listed. You know what? Just listen to the whole show. There you go. Even though that conversation is like two hours and 20 minutes away, just listen for the entire show. The other guest that we'll get to on the program today is someone that both myself and Jimmy have been fortunate enough to be on the call of her efforts over the course of the last couple of years. And this tangents off the baseball conversation that we've had a lot this spring because of how good college baseball has been one of the other conversations we've had about baseball then kind of you know umbrellas over baseball and softball as in are you aware of like two of the best prospects in the country and I think at one point in time max preps rated the two best prospects in high school baseball and softball in the country live within like 10 miles of each other because one pitches at Franklin High School and, and plays multiple positions in Max Clark. The other has been the star pitcher from the day she set foot on campus, Keegan Rothrock. Her Ron Collie Royals will go for a third consecutive state championship at Bittinger Stadium coming up this weekend uh, in softball. They play Penn. You can watch that on the IHSAA Champions Network. James, are you doing an audio-only webcast of the game this weekend, or are you deferring to the folks at the IHSAA? We will be doing an audio-only broadcast. We're on CaliMediaNetwork.com if you're interested in the home team broadcast. We all have side gigs in this business. That is Jimmy's. Uh, in addition to everything he does for the fan, uh, he is also uh, the voice of the Ron Cali Royals. So he's had several games involving Keegan. I have been fortunate to call a handful of her games over the course of the years and have been a, bit, been a big fan of her work. And she'll be joining us coming up at 1 o'clock. So that is the guest list. Keegan Rothrock. Will Haskett, Alec Pierce, Lane Miller. When we are not talking to those people, you are always welcome to talk with us over the telephone lines at 317-239-1070. Hit me up on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw. You can email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. In addition to those topics I've kind of mentioned with guests, live, PGA, merger, what does it mean? Who knows? Indiana State baseball not hosting. What does that mean? Isaiah Rogers and what will happen to him. I'll cover all those in a second. There's also the matter of, well, the NBA Finals are tonight. And we have ourselves a series in game number three between the Heat and the Nuggets. In terms of what is happening locally, more key workouts continue for the Indiana Pacers. 
And one of the names that continues to be mentioned in terms of, if you look at mock drafts, if there's probably one name that gets linked with the Indiana Pacers more than anybody else, it's Jairus Walker from the University of Houston. Now, is he potentially gone by the time the Pacers would pick at seven? He is. Um, Because of Kevin Pritchard having multiple draft resources that he feels he doesn't need, could you see the Pacers try to bump up even a spot or two? I do think that's a possibility. Maybe that opens the door to somebody else. Anyway, he is one of a couple of different Pacers players that is uh, on the docket uh, for workouts coming up. And we'll we'll kind of touch on that. Um, As a Reds fan... And I have been very lax in my fandom these last couple of years because I have been of the opinion of, I got a lot going on in my life. If they're not trying to win, I'm not trying to watch. But have we reached kind of the midway point of major league where the guys in the bar, the guys that were the groundskeepers, have we reached that point of, hey, these guys aren't so blankety blank bad anymore? Have we gotten to that point? The calling up of Ellie De La Cruz, the come from behind victory over the Dodgers last night. I'm not sure if we've reached Tom Hanks in a league of their own, we're going to win status. By the way, I actually quoted that on opening day of 1999 for the Reds. They won 96 games that year. Lost in a one-game playoff to the Mets, but still 96 wins for our team. Not too shabby. So... Maybe we'll delve into that as well. And there is one other topic that I'll go and get to that conversation right now that appeals to both Jimmy and myself, and that would be soccer in this country. And obviously, you know me or the various different things that I do as the television voice of the Indy 11. I do host a weekly soccer radio show every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And if you have not heard... Lionel Messi is coming to enter Miami. It's coming to Major League Soccer. And this is something that has been debated and discussed for many years. You know, even when he left playing in La Liga to go to PSG, when he left Barcelona, the the conversation was, hey, is he at some point in time going to come to the States? And it seemingly has always been, he's going to go to Miami, right? Well, that appears to be the case. Uh, There are a series of, and and I'm not going to get into the weeds and try to explain um, the MLS salary cap rules, the designated player rules, uh, general allocated money, team allocated money. If you think NBA Twitter is funny on draft night, when you see like the Portland Trailblazers welcoming a bag of cash because they traded a pick for cash considerations, it's funny. Uh, in in MLS, there are there are trades for Gam and Tam all the time, and you just want to say Gam Tam. I have no idea what you're talking about here, except you say other things than Gam and Tam. See, I made a funny there. Anyway, um, I'm not gonna try to get all complicated in that, but obviously Lionel Messi is going to be a guy, even I think he's now 35, I believe is his age, Um, even though he is is, he's still one of the best players in the world, as evidenced by what happened in the World Cup, Um, even though he's on the downside of what has been one of the two or three greatest careers in the history of the sport, and if you wanted to argue and say 
He's been the best player in the history of the sport. I'm not sure I'd get in a big argument with you. All right. And we're, we're it's it's he, it's Pelé, it's it, it's Ronaldo, maybe it's Cruyff. I mean, it's it's we're not getting far into the conversation. Okay. And when that player wants to come to Major League Soccer, you find a way to work around the rules. So apparently he's getting a cut of the Apple TV deal. In other words, if somebody buys an MLS pass, a season pass subscription, I'm not sure if it's the full subscription or if it's just what to watch Inter Miami, he's getting a cut. And that's just not in the States. That's like everywhere around the planet. You want to watch Lionel Messi? He's going to get pennies on the dollar. Something along those lines. Um, not to go all office space on you. You're rounding up that fraction of a penny. You've done enough transactions. You're going to make some serious money. All right. There, there, there's, there's money stake number one. Uh, money stake number two, Adidas, which has been the uh, uniform partner of Major League Soccer basically since day number one. You know, you'll see in the Premier League, different teams have different uh, manufacturers for kits. Everybody in, and that's a fancy way of saying uniforms, by the way, folks. Um, in Major League Soccer, everybody's wearing the three stripes. Okay, that, that universally, that's what you're wearing. Adidas is kicking in some money to get messy here. And why are they doing that? Because it's what's best for business. So, yes, he's going to make money, far more money than anybody else in Major League Soccer is getting. Jimmy, feel free to look this up. I think the most money that a player is getting playing in Major League Soccer is somewhere around $8 million. I think it's 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 the, the salary cap number might be most applicable to like the National Hockey League, where they're making good money. You're not making the level of money at the top end that an NFL quarterback is making, and then on the $45, $50 million range, that a Damian Lillard is making $60 million a year, basically, and guys like that in the NBA, or whatever the top, you know, whatever Aaron Judge got to stay with the New York Yankees. You get the idea. 8.1. Thank you. So, I was off by 100000 I think I win both showcases on that on that. Quote. I would agree. Go ahead and give me the, the office furniture that nobody wanted. I'll take that, too, uh, on my second showcase. Thank you very much. So... The only th- the only thing that is is somewhat comparable would be when David Beckham came over, which I think is like 07 at this point. And that was a league at the time in Major League Soccer that was on life support. That was right as more Premier League matches and more La Liga matches and whatever your favorite league in Europe would be, that was just as those matches were becoming more available on American television. And Fox Sports Worlds became Fox Soccer and Fox Soccer Plus. And all of a sudden, you know, early 2010s, here's Ted Lasso commercials for NBC Sports Network that we've got the Premier League. It used to be, it's a reason why, if you wonder, why are there so many Manchester United fans here in the States? You want to know why? The best, the, the the only soccer you would see, other than Major League Soccer, once or twice a week, would be Champions League on ESPN two on a Tuesday afternoon. And who was always playing in those games? Manchester United. This is early two thousand ish era, and that's why so many people that are my age or a little older that are soccer fans will go, "Hey, that's my team." Well, that's the one they could see. That's why it was their team. Okay. So when Beckham comes over here about 15, 16 years ago, 
saved the league. It absolutely did. League's in a far different place now. That league has – and, and, and we interchange league and sport in this country in terms of soccer, and maybe all the time we shouldn't do that. Um, it's in a different spot. It's not like Lionel Messi has to come in and save Major League Soccer. No, they continue to add teams on a regular basis. You even have teams – like the Indy 11, that are building a very, very high-end facility without ever having a guarantee of playing in Major League Soccer. They very well could be in the USL Championship going forward, and I think you want to be in Major League Soccer, but I think the Indy 11 can thrive in the USL Championship with that building. That's a conversation for a different day. But this is Major League Soccer realizing, all right, we've got our set of rules to ensure competitive balance And that has largely been a good thing. Yes, there has not been a super team emerge from this country like you have the top six in England, like you have the big two in Spain, like you have PSG in France, like you have, you get a little more balance in terms of the Italian clubs. I mean, it's kind of like England in terms of of not one team locking in. If you're a, a Premier League nerd like me, you could argue Manchester City is the new Bayern Munich. Where you say every year they're going to win, and they're a few days away from potentially having the treble, which Manchester United had once, of FA Cup, Premier League Championship, and Champions League. And that's the one that's been the white whale for Pep Guardiola as we delve further into soccer talk. And Jimmy is grinning ear from ear because he's finally got somebody that will engage him in the conversation here on the program. But Messi coming to the States is a huge stinking deal. Major League Soccer is already in a really good spot and continues to grow its fan base. But you will have more people in this country and internationally than ever before that are going to be watching the Major League Soccer product. So I'm not sure that's a topic that will generate a lot of discussion or phone calls today. But it is going to be kind of the biggest topic in American sports today. And as someone that's got just a teeny tiny bit of knowledge on it, wanted to try to explain why that is such a big deal. Um, well, and again, the transfer windows, you know, tend to be in the summer and in the winter. Obviously, the Major League Soccer schedule, since they obviously some of you may not know this, plays opposite what is the FIFA World Calendar as they play from March through, say, November. And so what I am hearing uh, from a variety of reports is that Messi is going to make his Inter-Miami debut in August. James, do you want to spill the beans as to what transaction that you sure. even that you accidentally stepped into a pot of gold because you were you were telling me about this before the show enlighten the rest of the listening audience. So I want to see Messi play in person. Of course sec- you do. And the second this of course. news broke, I rushed to see when I made a very rookie mistake. You're not going to be proud of me for this. I didn't share this part with you. I made a rookie mistake of just looking at FC Cincinnati's schedule or Cincinnati FC schedule and checking when they played into Miami. That's not a rookie mistake. You are you are saying, okay, here's when the closest place he's going to be yep. to me. Not a rookie mistake at all. Mad way for it. So then I went on there and I found two seats and I bought them. Yep. Realized about 20 seconds after the order that was confirmed. That says Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and say, not TQL it, Stadium. It does. Yep. Now, the good news with that is I have a very loving wife, and it's right around the time of when we would take a trip to Florida anyway. You're young and no kids. You can detach quickly, can, go hop a plane, direct flight. There you go. No problem. So, two $80 pairs of tickets later, 
Looks like we're Jimmy going Cook, to born on third base, thought he hit a triple. <laughs> exactly. Stumbled into genius. <laughs> well played by you. Thank you. Now, the wife, she don't want to go. Then she says, okay, sell them. You know what you just made? Oh, yeah. Ten times on the dollar Correct. figure. Correct. Again, Jimmy Cook, raconteur, entrepreneur, an overall smart guy, even when he made a rookie mistake. <laughs> Job well done by you. So that's one of the topics that, that I wanted to get into today. That's kind of the most pressing one. We're going to go ahead and get this first time out out of the way. Then I'm going to kind of talk about what have been the topics of the week. Live PGA, Isaiah Rogers, and why there's no baseball in Terre Haute this weekend. If any of those topics or the messy conversation are of appealing to you, you don't have to wait for me. You can dial us up right now. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show, Greg at 1070thefan.com. Our guests start at 1. It's me, you, and Jimmy coming up between now and 1 o'clock on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is The Fan Midday Show. Greg Rakestraw getting a turn at bat today. Um, and my people have talked to the people here at the fan. And I'm not sure if this ranks up with like live and PGA merger talk. Maybe a similar level of lawyers were involved. I have committed over the course of the summer to do this show one day a week. For as and, until they give the host job to somebody else. So you either get to listen to me one day a week you're stuck listening to me one day a week, or you can find something better to do with your time. You know, it all depends on on how you want to view it. I was asked if I would do this like on a like like Wednesdays with Rakestraw, and I said no, that would make too much sense. So my schedule tends to be one that fluctuates wildly. I'm jet setting across, you know. Kind of like Lionel Messi's tour as to, am I playing in, in, in Barcelona? Am I playing in Miami? You know, I, I go back and forth to places, you know, like Mulberry and Owensboro. Uh, very similar. Uh, but I'm going to be here one day a week uh, for at least for the next couple of months. So, yay! Or uh, book your trip to get out of here now. However you want to handle it. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Or you can email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. Again, um... You want to listen to Lane Miller interview coming up in the two o'clock hour. Um, talked with him last night. Loved the conversation. I hope I've done a good job of telling his story, both in terms of on ESPN Plus, uh, when I broadcast some Indiana State games, uh, when I have been doing interviews, uh, whether it's with Kevin Inquiry or with JMV or Indiana Sports Talk, when I have been asked about the Sycamore baseball program this year. Uh, And I hope I get to do a good job of telling his story when he joins us coming up during the 2 o'clock hour. So since I referenced that, let me start with the goings-on the last couple of days in Terre Haute. And again, not to completely rehash it, because I think most of you kind of know the deal by now. Um, And and more details came out yesterday afternoon. Uh, But Indiana State, as a regional host, they were the 14th seed. You get partnered up with the number three seed. Number three seed was Arkansas. Arkansas did not make it out of their regional. A lot of seeded teams did not make it out of their regional this year. Um, TCU won that regional. So hence, Indiana State, um, as the number 14 seed, was in line to host. Only problem was, and again, some of this is details we learned yesterday, 
They had put in a bid to host both the regional and the super regional. Uh, But then five days after that process happened, and that process would have happened right before the Missouri Valley Tournament, so basically the week before Memorial Day, they put in a bid, which is after the end of the regular season, they put in a bid to host both. They withdrew hosting the Super Regional. The reason being is that annually, Special Olympics in Indiana, massive event in Terre Haute on the Indiana State campus, using a lot of facilities, taking up a lot of hotel space, using a lot of the same administrative personnel, volunteers, etc. And a decision was made that they couldn't host the Super Regional. Now, obviously, that did not get announced to the public. If Indiana State had not won their regional, that would have never gone public. If Arkansas had won their regional, that would have not that would not have gone public. All of those things happened, and then it did. Um, I sent a text to a friend of mine um, that's connected over there on Monday morning. Because the regional in Fayetteville wasn't decided. They played on Monday. I'm like, hey, if Arkansas loses, you're getting the super, right? He goes, well, I'm not sure. And more people that I kind of followed on social media and knew kind of the inner workings of the scenario, you kind of got that direction on Monday afternoon. This is the way it was going. And that became known on Monday night. A couple of things here. Um, because I've seen a, a lot of criticism of ISU, and I think it's fair. Um, I've had some dealings with Sherard Klinkscales, the AD. I believe he'd be a good man. And if you look at the overall athletic year they had, it was really good. Their softball team was as good as they've been in a long time. The men's basketball team was as good as they had been in a long time. They clearly made a good hire in terms of Josh Shirts, made a massive leap from year one to year two. Baseball, and there's a drone flying by us right now there, out there, Jimmy. Squirrel! Sorry. Um, when Never you, know what's going to happen. When you're even five, studio. six floors up on downtown, you're like, hey, there's something flying by the window. Hey, how about that? Sorry about that, folks. I was trying to make a point and got distracted terribly. Um, Mitch Hanna's and, and baseball has always been the bedrock program at Indiana State University. I realize that that obviously what Larry Bird did in 1979 is always the absolute Mount Olympus for that school, unless they go Jake Taylor win the whole blanking thing um, over the next few weeks. Then maybe we would, we would view the program a little bit differently. And yes, there have been schools from non-Power 5 leagues in recent years won a baseball national championship. Coastal Carolina would come to mind. Now, they're a warm-weather program. Indiana State is not. Indiana State, historically, their best program has always been baseball. I think this is their 11th or 12th visit to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think it's now the fourth time in the last five-year tournament has been played. They've played in the postseason. The Missouri Valley, obviously, historically, has been a great baseball league. Maybe it's not what it used to be with no Wichita State, no Creighton. Uh, you may not know who Dallas Baptist is. They're division two in other sports. They had played in the Valley for baseball. They've switched leagues as well. Indiana State is now kind of the, 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 the bellwether program of the Valley. Uh, but you get the idea. They've had success there. Uh, but they never had the level of success they've had this year. I'll point this out. Um, since the end of March, they're 34 and 4. That's just stupid that you run off a record like that. 
So I, I, I've had some dealings with Sherrard, and I generally like him. I think he's done a he's been a, he's been he's been good for that university. Sometimes, and maybe because I I, I work in sales, um, as much as I do broadcasting these days, sometimes the answer has to be we'll find a way to make this happen, and then you figure it out. And I kind of think that's what the answer needed to be in this case a couple of weeks ago. Yes, we have resources that are committed in another another area. But we have to find a way to make this facility available. We have to find a way to create hotel rooms. And when I have cited past examples, it hit me. I'm like, well, well workarounds were found here and here. You've got to do you've got to find a way. And now it's past tense. You have to kind of deal with it and move on. But I think it when Purdue hosted the baseball regional in 2012, they weren't allowed to host because their facility wasn't any good. It's right before they built Alexander Field. The neutral site was the Steel Yard in Gary. Purdue didn't make it out of their regional. I think Kentucky did actually that year. Kentucky just hosted Indiana, West Virginia, Ball State. Uh, you know where most of the players and, and support staff stayed? Dorms at the University of Kentucky because there were ho- there was a hotel room shortage for another couple of events that was going on in Lexington. You can find workarounds there. Uh, I, I, I have a general idea as to what the hotel space looks like in Terre Haute. I'd recommend the Candlewood Suites, by the way, anytime you're in downtown Terre Haute. A lovely place to stay. You can find a workaround there. And so, and, and, and far be it from me to take anything away from Special Olympics because I'm the parent of a special needs child. So Special Olympics means something to me. Believe me, it does. But sometimes you just have to say, I've got to find a way to work around this. And that wasn't done. Now, again, to Sherrard's credit, he had, you know, he he had moments yesterday because they kind of had a hastily assembled press conference to talk about this over at Bob Warnfield. And at some point as administrator, you simply say, hey, the buck stops with me. This this is on me. This is the decision. This is my fault. Well, maybe not. Uh, a person I have a great deal of respect for. Name's Mark Alicia. Mark wrote for the Indianapolis Star for many years. Mark, one of his last acts as a journalist was it was an award-winning act. The whole Larry Nasser scandal in Michigan State gymnastics. He was part of the reporting group that broke that story and flushed out the details. Well, he also spent time working in Indiana State after that, and he had a very scathing Twitter chain that I would recommend you go follow if this if this topic interests you saying this has the and, and I don't know this person uh, I generally don't deal in, in I work in the athletic office when it comes to college campuses I, I at some of the area colleges I know that this the academic side I don't in Indiana State but um, someone that again used to work there basically said hey don't put this on the AD this has the president's fingerprints all over it and the athletic office is being forced to pay for that decision in the court of a public opinion over the course of the last couple of days. So we're now about 40 hours removed from this. And frankly, 
the news cycle moves on, and I will too. And I will end this the same way that I ended the conversation about this with JMB when I was on with him during the 4 o'clock hour yesterday. The young men that are on the baseball team in Indiana State have done a wonderful job of bringing more attention to their university. Indiana State, like a lot of schools, is going through an enrollment crunch, even an enrollment crisis. I believe the enrollment numbers have dropped somewhere in the tune of, say, 13,000 to about like 8,600 over the last few years. Indiana State is largely a place you can get an affordable degree. Um, they market they market well. They're, they're programs of great value. And, and I was a person that 30 years ago spent a lot of time in Terre Haute, just happenstance of life, went through... Went to three different summer camps, one at Rose Holman, two at Indiana State. And when I was offered the chance to go to school in Indiana State, I was like, nah, man, I don't want to go to school in Terre Haute. I've been that person too, okay? Maybe maybe you soften as you get older, you realize what's important. There's good people in Terre Haute. There's good people in Indiana State. Um, again, I've, I've spent time the last couple of years downtown Terre Haute. There's some happening spots. There's a great place to get a, there's a, great place to get a meal. There's a great place to get a beverage. There's some good things happening in that community. And the kids at Indiana State, especially on the baseball team, have done a great job of not just showing a spotlight on that region, but frankly, bringing tangible economic dollars to that region. Now, the Missouri Valley Baseball Conference, it wasn't like Indiana State um, hosted that because their team was the number one seed. Now, that was going to rotate there. But the fact that Indiana State was really good made that a must-have ticket in that area. Then you get to host that regional, and you pack that place three straight days. Again, you're bringing in money, and hopefully Indiana State can build off of that. My biggest hope is that the kids from Indiana State win this weekend for many reasons, but that the reason that potentially they didn't get to go to Omaha in the College World Series doesn't come down to somebody didn't have the foresight to say, we'll find a way to make this work. I'll be rooting for that bunch anyway, because again, they have me over and do a handful of broadcasts. I know so many people behind the scenes and they're good people. I love working with them. And again, the Lane Miller story is tremendous. Okay. Tune in at two 30 because you want to hear the conversation I taped with him last night. His story is off the charts. And if they make the World Series, he's going to, he's going to become a nationally known product because of what his story is. So tune in at 2.30. So I'd be saying this whether they're playing in Terre Haute, whether they're playing in Fort Worth, or Timbuktu. Go Trees. But now I've got even more of a motivation for them to win because I want to have the only brief bit of negative light that's been shined on that community and that school over the last couple of days. I don't want that to derail what has been such a wonderful story for the course of the last two or three months. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. You can sign, you can chime in on that topic if you want. 317-239-1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. I have not sunk my teeth in the live versus PGA. Not talked that much about Isaiah Rogers. Not talked that much about the NBA Finals. Those are all certainly worthy for discussion as well. We'll touch on at least one of those when we come back. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
Welcome back. It is the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know what, folks, you get when you have, like, the rotating substitute teacher? You get more content on the show. You know, radio stations normally, usually music stations do. You know, they'll go, hey, less commercials, more music. Less commercials, more replacement hosts talking with you is what you get between noon and three here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Keegan Rothrock of Ron Cali Royal and soon-to-be Florida Gator fame will join us in the next segment of the show. Will Haskett, who, of course, was in this seat yesterday, I take a, a bit more room in this seat than he does, uh, but uh, that's a conversation for a different day. Uh, Will is getting ready to call PGA Tours in Canada, I want to say, this weekend. I've kind of lost track. I know that next weekend, because it's Father's Day, is the U.S. Open. We'll talk about, Will, what a crazy day yesterday was and what sense we can make 24 hours later of the fact that apparently the PGA Tour and Live Golf and whatever's left of the European Tour are all merging into one entity, and that was proclaimed yesterday, and I'm not sure anybody's got much the way of details on that. Maybe Will does. We'll talk to him coming up at 1.30. Colts receiver Alec Pierce and Indiana State Sycamore pitcher Lane Miller will be joining us during the 2 o'clock hour of the show. A couple of quick things I want to get to in this segment of the show. And Alec will join us coming up at 2. And I will ask him, and again, I, I don't expect him to be able to say much or, or to offer much thought on Isaiah Rogers' situation. But as sports gambling has become so much more prevalent and so much more above board, one of the side conversations, and now it's more to the forefront, has quickly become, hey, you're going to have more players that want to partake in this. You're, you know, what is legal for everyone else and what is a part of what is, if not encouraged, then certainly no longer discouraged for 65,000 people that are at a game, for the hundreds of thousands to millions that are watching it, uh, if talking about the National Football League in terms of number of eyeballs, you know, members of the crowd, you know, et cetera, is, well, everybody and their little brother can bet on this. Players can't. And I don't have a problem making that line of demarcation. Jimmy, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on here. I believe the way the NFL ruling has worked is that as an NFL player, you cannot bet on the NFL in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Not at all. You are allowed to wager on other sports, but you are not allowed to do so from the facility. That is correct. Yep. I don't think that's that hard of a concept to grasp. Part of that is the is the privilege, is the responsibility of playing in the National Football League. It's not that hard of a logical leap to be able to say, hey, listen, yeah, there's going to be gambling companies that are involved now with sponsoring the National Football League. That's, that's kind of the way of the world. But you are one of the privileged people, the 53 players on the active roster, the 70 players that if you include guys in the practice squad, if you include guys in the injured reserve, that number bumps up to 80. If you multiply that by 3,200, by 32, that's based around 2,500 players in the National Football League. And there are guys that range from making 
tremendous money for their age to guys that make generational wealth, depending on how good of a football player you're going to be, it's part of the trade-off. I also know that part of the trade-off that we ask these guys to do is with their long-term health. That's why you see guys playing less. That's why you see rules being enacted about the kickoff uh, r- r- you know, rule. Um, is, is that balance of keeping this as football as football can be, but trying to reduce the health risks long-term. Well, gambling, you can make an argument about a health risk in terms of, of if you can't control it. But it just strikes me as there are some things in life. I, you know, last segment I said, hey, there are some things in life you got to figure out. Okay. I would follow it up by saying there are some things in life you got to accept. Certain things you cannot do if you are in a particular position. And I would say gambling, period, is one of them if you're a professional athlete. Because once you open that door, man, it's hard to shut it. And if you ever are caught gambling on your team, it's going to be a long time before you play again. And and the the only... And again, it's, it's kind of like in the first segment, we had the Messi to Beckham comparison where it's the only thing that I thought was similar, but it wasn't exactly the same. What I keep coming back to in terms of my frame of reference of covering the Indianapolis Colts dates back to LeVon Brazil. Remember LeVon Brazil? Receiver out of Ohio University. Played in the early days of Andrew Luck. Um, maybe a, a fitting comparison to Isaiah Rogers in terms of, you know, spot on the team. I would put Isaiah a little bit further up, kind of the, the pecking order of importance, because Isaiah was going to be a starting cornerback for this team this year. LeVon was always kind of a third, fourth, fifth receiver. A guy that was good enough to be on the roster, um, you know, made some plays. Well, Isaiah's a guy that because of his ability as a kick returner and because of the way he's kind of risen up the depth chart as a cornerback, I'd put him further up that list. But I bring up LeVon Brazil because he kept getting dinged with marijuana suspensions. And again, in the six, seven, eight years it's been since he played for the team, the way that we view marijuana has changed much in the way of the way that we view sports gambling, frankly, has changed during that same time window. Probably not as many, you know, CBD or hemp sponsorships of NFL teams are gambling sponsorships, but you get the idea. But at some point in time, you are told, hey, listen, if you want to do A, you can't do B. And if you keep doing B, you're not going to get to do A. And that's kind of, to me, that's a very easy leap to make in terms of Isaiah Rogers' case. And I guarantee you, in you know the rookie symposium that these guys go through, And in dealing with agents, it's not like NFL teams don't spend resources on the long-term health and not just in terms of, are you going to be healthy enough to play on Sunday? They've obviously done that for years. But in terms of educating the man as a whole, long-term financial planning, nutrition, um, you know, proper ways to invest Um, things that you cannot do. Every NFL team 
not only has a guy, that guy is, is kind of David Thornton for the Colts as a former player that's kind of a, a life coach, a mentor, a big brother, a sounding board, a resource. They don't just have a guy that does that. They have a team of people that do things like that. So I guarantee you for every player, and I guarantee you this is being stressed at many camps and OTAs around the National Football League. Don't wager on your own game. Don't wager in the facility. There are certain things you just cannot do, and that is one of them. So now we'll see what the penalty exactly is going to be. Obviously, it will be a swift and severe penalty on Isaiah Rodgers. It's going to be a big penalty on the Colts, too, because that exactly wasn't a position of strength for this team. It was, hey, let's let's see what Isaiah Rodgers can do. Let's see what is Dallas Flowers the guy. Do you move Kenny Moore from the slot more to outside? You know, when when the it, now it's more of Juju Brent's time, uh, you know, to get the job done. I mean, that was when we looked at the draft and there were three big, big needs for the Colts. You know, it was hey, you got to address quarterback one, but then on day two, you would better have a com- a combination of cornerback and you know receiver. That's exactly what the Colts did. In fact, in that order. Well, now what is a position of, well, there's young guys there that are unproven, just got even younger. So, believe me, there's quite the penalty for the Indianapolis Colts in this scenario as well. You want to talk about that? Phil, 3317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. Our guests kick in in the next segment of the show. I'm not sure we talk much softball in the program. I think there is somebody that is worthy of having a conversation with on that front. She might be the top prospect in the nation. She's trying to lead her team to a third consecutive state championship this weekend. Her name is Keegan Rothrock of Ron Colley High School. She joins us next on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. See, I'm a trained animal. I knew to wait for the voice guy to start talking. I sat there patiently as Jimmy was doing like the 98 things we asked him to do as the board op slash producer slash, you know, um, you know, mental strength coach in his role. I kept going on music's playing. Uh, I'll, I'll wait for the voice guy to say the station. And then I am like Pavlov's dog. I am trained to talk before we get to our next guest. Uh, just a quick note. And, and I did not catch this over the course of the last uh, oh half hour to an hour or so. Uh, I had not planned on talking IndyCar today uh, because the IndyCar guys have a weekend off, but there is some significant IndyCar news locally. Ed Carpenter Racing and Connor Daly are going in a different direction. So the number 20 Bitnile Chevrolet will continue to run. The next race, I want to say, would be next weekend, uh, I think, at Road America. Uh, I believe I'll, I'll look at the IndyCar schedule to confirm that. Uh, but I think they're off this weekend. But uh, Connor Daly, no longer the driver of the number 20 machine for Ed Carpenter Racing. We'll talk more about that perhaps at the back end of this uh, segment of the program. We have a guest that is standing by. I want to make sure we get to her. Over the years, I have been fortunate enough uh, to broadcast numerous softball state finals for the IHSA. Unfortunately, I don't have that opportunity this year. I got uh, other job responsibilities to take care of. But I have been fortunate enough. Uh, to watch Ron Colley play a handful of times over the last three years and to be on the call a couple of times of their games. Uh, one of those was this year at New Pal. 
Keegan Rothrock has become, and I don't think this is a, a statement of hyperbole, simply put, maybe one of the most talented female athletes we have ever seen in the state of Indiana. That's how good she has been. She's helped lead her team to two state championships at Ryan Collie. They are fighting for a third this weekend against Penn. She will continue her career at the University of Florida, and she joins us now here on the Fan Midday Show. Keegan, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And uh, again, for everything that has gone so well for you these last three years, win or lose, you know this is your final time in a Ron Colley uniform, your final high school softball game coming up this weekend. How are you feeling about that? Um, I'm really excited, but it's also very bittersweet because I've had such a fun ride and such a fun journey these last four years with all of the girls at Ron Colley. But I'm super excited that this is the group I'm going out with. All right, I have to ask you because not many people that could potentially win a third state championship would think about, maybe maybe I could have had that fourth. You didn't get to play as a freshman because of the COVID pandemic. Do you think you and your teammates would have won that one too? Um, yeah, I think it would have been a really great possibility. I mean, with Amber Linton, who was also a senior that year, she was a great pitcher too. So I think we definitely would have had a great, great run and definitely would have had a possibility of winning our freshman year, too. At what point in time did the sport of softball enter your life? Um, I was probably about three or four, I'd say. Yep. Started in our backyard pitching, breaking fences and breaking windows. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say probably about three or four. At what point in time, whether it was you, parents, coaches, etc., at what point did somebody say, hey, I think you can be pretty good at this? Um, I was probably around 10 or so, um, 10 or 11. I think my parents realized it before I did. Um, and they started putting me on more national-level teams and trying to get me to get outside of the state of Indiana. That way I could play with other girls that would continue to push me and to continue better my ability as a player and a person. Was there kind of a moment where, and again, I, I know you're trying to conduct yourself just like any other member of the team, and I know that everybody everybody plays their role, striking them out and, and not getting runs on the board happens to be yours, but we're having this conversation because you're a big deal, and, and I rattled off your resume. At what point in time did you kind of recognize, hey, people are going to know who I am but because of what I do with the softball in my hand? Um, honestly, probably when I got into high school. Just because I would say probably my first few weeks at Ron Holly, people didn't know my name, but they would just come up to me and ask, hey, are you that girl going to Florida? <laughs> are you the softball player that's going to Florida? I'd be like, yeah, that, that's me. But they would have never asked my name. They would just ask if I was that girl going to Florida. And so I think that's kind of when I realized that people knew me for my ability. All right, so with that, uh, why was Florida the right choice for you? Um, it's always been my dream school. I actually grew up playing on the Indiana Gators until I was probably around 12, 11 or 12. And um, ever since I was little, I love their stadium. I love the coaching staff. And so it's it's just always been my dream school to go and play it, play for Coach Wallen and his staff and to go down there and get my education at Florida. All right, so what, at what point in time, because I, I have the Indiana All-Stars on my brain, the guys that are playing basketball this week, a lot of them will play for Indiana Friday and Saturday, and they're on a college campus uh, by Sunday. What time? When do you have to report to Gainesville? Um, 
seven days, August seventeenth. Okay, he's got a little time uh, to actually in- enjoy uh, being here in Indianapolis uh, for for a couple more months. Uh, let me rattle off Keegan's stats. This is just from this year, folks. Twenty-five and one, point four nine ERA in one hundred and fifty-eight innings. She has allowed eleven runs. She has walked thirty. She has struck out three hundred and seventeen. Of, of the numbers that you have put together these last three years, what of those are kind of like the most impressive to you? What, what are you most proud about just from a sheer stat standpoint that you've put together? Um, I'm going to have to say my strikeout. Um, that was the one main record that I wanted to break coming into Ron Colley just because the girl who had previously held it beat my mom in state um, <laughs> when my mom was in high school. And so... That was kind of the one record I wanted to break. Uh, and, and clearly you've gotten it and, and, and have done so in, in, in just three years' time. Keegan Rothrock of Ron Colley High School, our guest. Again, Greg Rakestraw here on 93.5 and, and 107.5, the fan. So uh, I'll do the typical media thing. You're 25-1. and one. I'll ask you about the one. What happened in the one this year, Keegan? Oh, that, it was a great game. Um, we played Ballard High School down in Kentucky. Um, they were the Kentucky State Champions. We went 9-8. And... I mean, it was a great game, honestly, all around. Both teams hit well, both put the ball in play, made the defensive plays, and they just had a couple more hits than we did. And it was bittersweet, but after that, I think everyone on our team kind of flipped the switch for all of us, I feel like. And we came out after that, um, that's hot, and just wanting to win and wanting to do the best that we could and just really leaving it all out on the field. I have happened to have known your coach since probably before you were around in terms of David Locke, since I went to college with his brother, Brian, uh, at the University of Indianapolis. What has, what has David kind of meant to your career these last three and four years? Um, he's meant a lot to my career. He's been a big supporter of both me and my teammates alike. Um, I mean, throughout the years, especially my freshman year, helping me get acclimated just because I didn't go to a South Senior High School. So I didn't know a ton of people. So he kind of helped me out in that aspect, too, and just kind of getting acclimated around Collie and getting out of my shell a little bit. And so I just couldn't thank him enough for all the support that he's given me and my teammates these past four years. And so if you didn't come up through kind of the deanery system, and obviously you touched on your, on your mom's ties to the school, but why was Ron Collie the right place for you? Um, I think it was the right place for me, just the academics and – Something to get me ready for college. I mean, Ron College has always um, been um, a school that prides themselves on getting students ready for college and just being a college prep school, and I definitely agree. I, I really do think that they have helped me and everybody else in my grade get ready for college in the best way that they, they could. Couple quick things and let's go. Keegan Rothrock again, star pitcher for Ron Cowley. They're going for a third consecutive 4A championship. She's off to Florida coming up later this summer. She joins us here on 93.5 and, and 107.5. The fan, you mentioned a great stadium down at the University of Florida. You're pitching in a wonderful stadium at Biddinger at Purdue. Didn't get to experience your freshman year because of the COVID pandemic. And the next year, you're playing at Center Grove because we didn't go back on college campuses yet. Obviously, last year, you guys dominated that state championship game against Harrison. What sort of atmosphere do you expect? expect at Purdue coming up this weekend? Um, I honestly expect an atmosphere similar to our sophomore year. I mean, Penn's coming ready to play, too, and I don't blame them. They have a young team, and they're they're ready to get after it, and we are, too. So I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I think it'll be just a great game overall.
You've got two months between your final game on Saturday and when you got to get on campus. Is it all softball all the time, or do you actually have time to kind of kick back and, and smell the roses a little bit and, and appreciate what you've accomplished as a high school athlete? Um, yes and no. So I'll go – I'll be in um, a couple different states this summer, Kansas, Colorado, Georgia, and California. But we have about a four-day period in between tournaments, so that's kind of my downtime where I, <laughs> I get to kind of reflect. But other than that, it's – we're going for a national championship with my travel team this summer. You're like me on vacations. I got a weekend. That's what I, that's all I need. Just give me three or four days. That's all I need. Yeah. And, yeah. and 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 I love what I do. And and so the rest is all about give me working, and it's just fine. And then here's the other the, the final thing for let you go. And maybe this hasn't crossed your mind. Maybe you're trying to wait until you get down to Gainesville to think about this. But you have now entered a new era as an athlete, where you know you're going to get a scholarship to play in the best league in the country at the SEC and an historically great program at Florida. You can also now make money uh, doing that as a college athlete. Have, have you kind of let your mind wonder? Have you and your parents kind of talked about that process as that plays out in, in the next few months? Um, yes, we have definitely talked about it. But with me still being on the high school team and our season still going, we don't really know the exact rules of it. We don't really know the exact rules of when I can start accepting NIL deals and getting involved with that and all all the stuff that comes with it. So. We have definitely talked about it. We just don't know the specifics on it to be able to go into anything quite yet. Yeah, wait till July. I think you'll be safe uh, if you do this. Wait a couple of more weeks. Um, again, I've always loved watching you play. It, it's been a wonderful career. Best of luck in capping it off in the proper way this weekend. Thanks for the time today. We'll be rooting for you, all right? Thank you. You got it. Keegan Rothrock, again, of Ron Cowley High School, kind enough to join us here again on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So you have a, a couple of people that are, I would say, somewhat uniquely qualified to tell her story or talk about it because both Jimmy and I have broadcast her games over the course of the last two or three years. So when I see Keegan Rothrock, Jimmy, what immediately comes to mind? I mean, just utter dominance. Right. Like, like, like truthfully, it, it's gotten to a point where with broadcasts and Keegan's obviously been the workhorse, the ace over this three-year journey, but it's been just the year-over-year talent that Ron Colley's been able to put around her where you can sit down at a broadcast table and as tough as this is to say, because it's not the normal, if it's not a run rule or just a dominant perspective right. through five innings, you're looking down to see what's what's gone wrong or what's up she actually gave up a couple of home runs in one of the games that i did early this year and i'm like i don't think that's happened very often over the course again her era is 0.49 i just pulled up her career stats again this is in three years her era is 0.44 strikeouts 1063 and that is without having a fourth year in which she could have competed she just capped off her 22nd career no hitter in the semi-state Against Pendleton weekend. Heights, against a yes. very that had back to back come from behind wins yep. against really good teams in terms of Allen and Mooresville to, to to get to the semi state, and then they they didn't play this year. They played last year early in the year in Pendleton Heights. Actually, they didn't win, but again got some runs off of Keegan. So they had some level of 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 confidence, maybe more than than others would have, and uh, yeah, it didn't turn out so well. Um, but and she will graduate again as one of the best athletes most dominant athletes in her sport as we have had in the state of indiana and i thought that merited being on the program today so again 
You're on Saturday night, correct? Or are you the Friday night game? Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. So is it what is it? One and four on Saturday, two and three on on Fridays. That the way it works. Yep. Okay. So, uh, and if you, if you haven't been up to Purdue, that facility is gorgeous. I was fortunate enough to do I think back to back years of games up there. Love calling at some point in time. I'll I'll get back to doing those. I'll kind of rotate back onto those. But I've been off of those the last couple of years. But um, that's a it's a great place. And again. Her career will go down as one of the storied ones because not only is she a great prospect, but again, her team has been so remarkably dominant during the course of, of her years at Ron Colley High School. So congratulations to her. Now, in terms of kind of my upcoming high school schedule, um, it's as follows. Tonight I have the Indiana Kentucky Junior so the Indiana Junior Senior All-Star game. It's at Cathedral. ISCSportsNetwork.com is where you can find me and Pete Smith on that one. Friday night, uh, I'm going to be in Owensboro for the Indiana-Kentucky games at the Sports Center. Love that old building, dating back to my days at UND and, and calling games, playing against Kentucky Wesleyan. I'll head down there for a third consecutive year for that doubleheader. We as ISC will have the games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I will have uh, Indy 11 on Saturday night. So Jimmy and I's mutual buddy, Rob Brown, will have all of the action. Along with Jan Bozier on Saturday night, Jan and I have the action on Friday night. Uh, That's kind of my high school sports fix for the week. And then next week, I will have the Friday night state finals games in baseball on the IHSAA Champions Network on Bally Sports Indiana. Uh, And again, much like this week at Purdue, as far as the boys are concerned for baseball, doubleheader Friday night, doubleheader Saturday night, back at Victory field 317-239-1070 is the telephone number which you can use to join the conversation tweet to me at greg rakestraw or you can email to greg at 1070thefan.com guests that are upcoming next second talk with will haskett about all things pga tour live merging as one 24 hours later have we made any sense of this alec pierce will be joining us at two o'clock talking all things colts and again lane miller pitcher for the indiana state sycamores and wonderful story we'll play a conversation i taped with lane yesterday coming up at approximately 2 30 things that we have barely scratched the surface of today game three of the nba finals we weren't sure if we're gonna have a series well, we got a series now after the heat won game two in denver they're in south florida what changes tonight Maybe we'll talk about that coming up at some point in time a little bit later on in the program. And there's other kind of uh, big picture topics that we really haven't gotten a chance to discuss. We kind of spent a a segment, there you go, talking about Leo Messi coming to Major League Soccer. We spent a segment talking about the Super Regionals not being in Terre Haute. We spent a segment simply saying you cannot gamble on the NFL if you are a player in the NFL There's no need for further, I don't think, explanation of that topic than how I just kind of laid it out there for you. But there's other big things in sports that we have yet to get to as well. And the breaking local news is that there will be a new driver in the number 20 machine for Ed Carpenter Racing as Ed Carpenter and Connor Daly after three and a half years electing to go their separate ways. So first driver change of the season Elite one that wasn't dominated or one that wasn't caused because of an injury in qualifying for the 500, like Stefan Wilson out and Graham Rahal in. First driver change of the season. Counter Daly, now a free agent and looking for a ride 
No new driver announced as of yet for the number 20 for the Ed Carpenter Racing Machine. Back in a moment, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I see Jimmy's like fading down the music. I'm like, I, I hear it and I know. Perhaps I was furiously scribbling away on my keyboard to have something intelligent to say. Like the script writers needed to give me a little more time to be able to prepare for that. Um, I got this on Twitter, and I'll be honest with you, it was kind of what brought my attention because I wasn't uh, I wasn't perusing IndyCar Twitter this afternoon in terms of Connor Daly not being back or being asked to leave Ed Carpenter Racing. I got that from David. What's the real reason? Uh, I'm, I think I'm going to give you the reason. Uh, here, here's the finishes for the number 20 car. 14, 20, 23, 25, 19, 8 at the Indianapolis 500, and 15th. That's part of the reason why they're making a move. And I'm not saying that's all on Connor. Far from it. Um, Renus VKs finishes this year, the other full-time Ed Carpenter racing car, 21, 11, 26, 16, 13, 10, and 18th. Not a lot of difference there. Um, Might be a difference in terms of... uh, Sponsorship dollars, uh, there are others that are more intelligent on that subject than I am, but just a decision to go in a different direction. And when you have these struggles that seemingly the Ed Carpenter guys have had as a team this year, something something is going to happen. A change is going to be made because there's always somebody with a helmet in hand that potentially has sponsorship dollars behind them that is waiting in the wings. Let me read the quote from Ed Carpenter. This is from the IndyCar Series press release. I know Ed put a statement on Twitter as well. Quote, this is the most difficult decision I have made as team owner because I respect Connor and know what he means to IndyCar and its fans. Our team has not been performing at the level we are capable of this year, and despite making technical changes and investments in the offseason, 223 has been extremely challenging. I put a great deal of consideration to the current state of our team and realize it's my obligation to our employers, partners, and supporters to do what is necessary to elevate our team's competitiveness. Connor has taken a Twitter and has said this as well. Although we've mutually decided that it's in our best interest to take different paths, I'd like to thank ECR for the past three and a half seasons. I'm grateful for everybody who supported me, past, present, and the future. I look forward to taking on the next opportunities that await. I want to thank the fans for being with me on this ride. So again, pretty much largely boilerplate stuff there. But sometimes when a decision like that gets made, there's nothing of the, so what's the real story? Well, the story is, is they've not been good. Okay. The story is, is that the ECR cars finished 15th and 18th in the Detroit Grand Prix. The ECR cars are currently 15th and 20th in terms of the standings uh, of the um, IndyCar season. And when you finally get to kind of that point where, all right, you've got a little time in between races, um, you're probably going to make a move. I don't, th- I don't think there's anything else behind that. 
Um, I expect Connor, again, because of, of his popularity, because of what he does in terms of social media, podcast, etc., he'll be up for another job at some point in time sooner rather than later. Usually once the dam breaks on a driver move at midseason, usually somebody else is soon to follow. And somebody else, you know, in racing, caution breeds cautions. Well, driver changes tend to breed driver changes. So it would not be surprising to see him in somebody else's ride, even not on a full-time basis, than maybe at the end of the year. But I don't think there's anything else behind it. I think it's a matter of, hey, we've tried this. It hadn't worked. We tried doing something else, and that didn't work. And at some point in time, and again, I'm not saying it's the driver's fault, but at some point in time, you go, hey, let's let's change this position too and let's see if something else w- might happen. So I wish Connor the best of luck. He has always been great to me and great to anybody that has been dealing with him. And I think, I think because of that, he has a spot in the series. But potentially whose ride could that be? I have no idea. I would kind of hate to speculate on that front but that is the again breaking local news of the day that's a big deal in indianapolis that makes noise in the indycar series um the things that clearly are more of the national variety leo messi coming to enter miami the story that obviously had local and national ramifications on monday that being the isaiah rogers story uh, certainly from a national standpoint, heat and nuggets tonight in game number three. But what was the national story of the day yesterday? And it will pick back up this weekend just because of uh, what happens on Thursday through Sunday. That being, you know, PGA Tour events will be the live golf is no more. But it wasn't because the PGA Tour waited them out. It was because the two are merging and go ahead and throw the DP World Tour in on that. That was the big topic yesterday. Will Haskett was in this seat yesterday. I'm sure he did a better job than me. And he is in his normal seat now on a Wednesday, which is getting ready for four days of golf coverage in the PGA Tour. And he joins us now. Hello, my friend. How are you? Uh, travel logged, but good to talk to you. Let's, uh, let's do this again. Nothing like June golf news stories in Indianapolis. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's never had this before. You did three hours of this yesterday. Now that you've had kind of 24 hours since then to try to make sense of it, um, just just kind of overall your thoughts as to where this story stands, if you will, on day number two. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know anything. You know, I, I think it's – I could easily just say there's really not, you know, 15 minutes worth of content out of a conversation since we don't actually know what's going to happen. But I would say since – the news broke, and then we were on yesterday in the midday show, and then even really since I talked to the guys on the morning show this morning, you know, last evening Jay Monahan had a little press scrum or um, conference call with some reporters. I didn't really think there was a whole lot that came out of that other than him sort of saying, hey, listen, this is just a, a, a framework agreement and that the really only binding sort of handshake is that we're going to end litigation against one another, that being – um, effectively, the PIF, which is the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, which is funding Live Golf and the PGA Tour, and many of those entities, whether it's Live PIF or the PGA Tour, had you know were going to court in a variety of different places for antitrust or breach of contract, whatever you want to say. And this is sort of wipes away all of the pending litigation between the two. And that was really the one, I think, piece of concrete 
um, information that we knew is that they're they're stopping that. So the lawyers are stopping. They're not getting paid as of today. You know, they're billing for all their time that has taken place. But in terms of like the existence and what this new for-profit corporate sort of structure looks like, we didn't really know. And then Rory McIlroy spoke to reporters at the RBC Canadian Open a little after nine o'clock this morning. And I think just provided a little bit more context to what he had learned. And he didn't really become aware of it until about 6, 7 a.m. yesterday, which is when one of the policy board members, which he is close with, Jimmy Dunn, communicated to him. And so Rory kind of wanted to like set the record straight on a few things, I think, today in the press conference, or at least shown a light on it and things that we didn't know yesterday. And he wanted to point out is that this is not a merger with Live Golf. This is a merger between the DP World Tour, PGA Tour, and the Public Investment Fund. Now, the PIF, is currently funding Live, right. but Rory still drew his line in the sand. Like I, he said, I hate Live Golf. You know, I want Live Golf to fail. I think it is still going to go away. But this is not us saying we are going to be, you know, one and the same with Live Golf. This is effectively, and this is now me sort of sure. inserting it. We've effectively, we them being the PGA Tour, not me, but Rory McIlroy and the PGA Tour have effectively just joined forces with the bank, the money source that was making live possible. And so, you know, he who has the money has the power (laughs) and that's really becoming the thing in sport right now. And this is the first, I think, real super Americanized way that we're going to see this influence of Middle Eastern money and Saudi Arabian money. We touched on that a little bit yesterday, but I think, you know, if you say he who has the power is fully in charge that's kind of the case, but now the PGA tour jumps in front of live as the ones who have that money. And their idea is that they still get to run their business the way that they run their business, and that being a typical PGA Tour schedule, but we still have a lot of things to iron out that is just all speculative at this point in time going into 2024. You know, it, it's odd. Uh, it sounds like a teacher that says, hey, don't just give me the answer, show your work, uh, is what immediately comes to mind. Like the yeah. end result, okay, of, uh, you know, the average fan gets to see Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, etc., competing against, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy. That's a good thing. Okay. So the end result, I think everybody goes, okay, that's a good thing. It's just kind of the messy pieces to get to there that I'm yeah. having a hard time wrapping my brain around. I just, just your thoughts on that statement. It is. Yeah, it is. Well, it's messy. And I think Rory kind of, spoke for a lot of the feeling in the last 24 hours too of he's resigned to the fact that this is the new world order of funding and jay monahan said this yesterday they tried to make this new competitive model of the pga tour work overnight with designated events and bloated purses and reaching out to current sponsors and squeezing as many dollars out of it and the fact of the matter is they could see that it was an untenable situation most likely moving forward whenever that Whenever the tap was going to run out and the reserves were going to run out, I'm not saying they were imminent this year, next year, down the road, but they just couldn't keep compete financially. And Rory sort of is like, hey, look, he's resigned to the fact that this is where the this is where the money's coming from. If and I want to keep what I think is the best golf product going, then you kind of just have to you have to take on that money. Like that's the only way to really sort of survive. And so yes, it is messy. Yes, it brings in all of the hypocrisy of statements that everybody has been saying over the last two years about where the money comes from and what this might mean. And, uh, you know, it's going to fall on a lot of deaf ears when they say, you know, the PJ tour is still run by its board. Now the chairman of the PIF is going to now be one of those 
board members, doesn't have absolute power, but is one of the voting members on the PGA Tour board. Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, is the CEO of this new for-profit umbrella sort of organization. So there's a lot of combined leadership qualities in all of this. So you can, you can roll your eyes and say, well, we know where, who really has the say because who's writing the checks. But at least from a PGA Tour standpoint, they're like, if we can't beat them, then we've got to at least kind of join the money train to keep our to keep our product going forward. And I'm, and I, I think when we, this whole thing started last year, Greg, you sort of knew, and they've always, and Jay Monahan has said it from the very beginning, like we can't compete financially with a six hundred and fifty billion dollar sure. wealth fund. You just can't. No one can. Um, and this is kind of where we've arrived at here today. And yeah, it is. It's it's sticky. It's messy. It's there's a lot of you know gotcha. Go back and find sound bites and clips from 12 months ago of things that have happened. And it's this whole situation has just been a freight train for the last two years, just of who can do what, one upsmanship, and everything. And yesterday was the latest bombshell at all. Are you? Are you at all surprised that the the seemingly the player reaction from the meeting yesterday was as overwhelmingly negative as it was? Should we have seen that coming or that catch you off guard? I think if any of us were part of any organization and we felt like we had a stake in it and then something is done, whether it's going to eventually have positive or negative impacts, which I don't think anybody can say for sure, like what the the number one player in the FedEx Cup standings or the number 125th player in the FedEx Cup points probably have two different views of what their future might be. And they don't really necessarily know if it's going to be better or worse than what it is right now. Like we just don't know. Right. But I think the big thing yesterday is if you really feel like you're part of a member organization and you didn't see this, none of us saw it coming. I think just the natural reaction when you're being blindsided by information is, whoa, (laughs) excuse me, what? Disbelief, and then I think also given the nature of what you've been saying and what you've been told and the loyalty and the fight. And, and this is where I think, you know, the players that are on board with it and the commissioner and everybody, like they've got some work to do over the next couple of months of showing the players that this was not only the best pathway forward, but maybe the only pathway forward. And how does it impact their livelihoods? And Jake asked the question this morning, like, do you think that I think that players would boycott or do anything like that? And so for the most part, outside of those top 20, 25 players in the world that can command, you know, six right. figure, seven figure, eight figure, you know, you know, payment fees. If you're a professional golfer, you just want to go play golf at the highest level for the most amount of money. And if you have a moral issue with everything that's going on and you want to walk away from that, then I, I championing that I, I completely champion that, but it's a lot harder to say now 24 hours into it than it probably would be three months down the road, six months down the road. When I think, and Rory even hinted at the fact that he thinks that the 2024 PGA tour schedule is going to be released in the next couple of weeks. I think the schedule next year is going to look very similar to the PGA tour schedule this year in terms of number of events and playing opportunities for players. And there's just some things that need to get ironed out in terms of who gets into what and how certain guys might be welcomed back to the PGA Tour. Again, Will Haskett, PGA Tour Radio, PGA Tour Live, and frequently host of this time slot. Joining us here on 93.5 and and, and 107.5 The Fan. Um, I'm not sure I have a great deal of of concern about this. Any idea what a live golf schedule is going to look like for 2020? Do, do they complete their events this year and and, and sign yeah. off? What what happens to, to that tour? 
Nothing changes in 2023, according to all parties yesterday. So you can still watch Live on the CW through the rest of their schedule. PGA Tour schedule doesn't change, including their fall series worth of events. But into 2024, we have no idea, like zero idea. I mean, Greg Norman is the head of Live Golf. He found out as soon as I found out yesterday (laughs) that this thing was going on. So. Um, you know, there. I'm sure there's a lot of questions there in terms of what that is going to look like and how that is structured. And I'm I'm guessing there are stakeholders, many of them players and other partners within, you know, the the very quick organization, a quick setup of that organization that would like to see the brand and some of the elements of those tournaments stay. But I don't know. I again, I, Rory's not in charge. We figured that out yesterday. But hearing kind of from Rory yesterday to this morning and, and sort of differentiating between these partnerships. It would seem to be that the concept of live golf is not very long standing at this point in time, but what they do with portions of the concept with team golf, with how they're going to take these new profits and funnel them to the top players, you know, do you end up taking elements of what live golf had team golf, no cut events or something like that and apply them to your big purse event. I don't know. This is me. Sure. Probably, I, I probably need to stop talking. Like it's, an, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, at this point in time, it's just speculating because we don't know. But right now, all of the conversation has been, this is good. This is for the PGA tour. This is for the DP world tour. And there's really been nothing to indicate what the future is for live golf. Do you think the average fan cares that the money that was backing live golf will now be heavily involved in the PGA Tour as of 2024. Do you think the average Joe that wants to either go to a, a tour stop or t- turns on CBS or NBC or watches you on ESPN Plus or listens on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, do you think they will care or that will influence them one way or the other, whether they're, they're making golf part of their Saturday or Sunday schedule? Yes. I mean, I think there are definitely some golf fans – you know, members of the military community sure. who have justifiably serious issues where the money is coming from. And the PGA Tour has a really strong um, military partnership yep. with their tournaments each and every week. I think that there are any number of people who could have serious issues with this who are certainly turned off by the concept of live. I know a lot of people who are turned off by the concept of live for it's just competitive structure. It didn't have anything to do with where the money was coming from, but just how they were competing and i use air quotes in that one because you could kind of question how much it was true competition so i think there will be some people who will be turned off by that but you also have to remember there are a lot of people that jumped ship the other direction because they just want to see the best players play each other so this unifies more fields in non-major events to having those top names all together again then does that sort of mitigate whatever potential loss that is and then eventually over time do you know wound do all the wounds heal and you kind of come back when some people might leave and say I'll take a wait and see approach as to how this happens it's it's a really interesting debate and we're having it in golf right now and it's just beginning in sport and so I said this yesterday on the air I said this morning on on the air um, with the guys like if the Ursays tomorrow wanted to sell the Colts and they're valued at five billion right and that's yeah. offers them ten billion dollars that it would not be in the daughter's best interest to leave $5 billion on the table if that's the highest offer. Now, would they feel bad about it? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know the Ursays well enough to answer that question. Would some fans feel bad about that? Probably. But if all of a sudden the Colts payroll went to the top of the NFL, damn the luxury task, 
or any sort of things. And the fans were getting to see high price free agents coming through the door because you had an unlimited pocketbook from an owner that wanted to get into the NFL. Like how quickly would Colts fans run away and run right back? You know, I don't know. I don't, it's impossible to answer that question, but at the end of the day, it's still sport. And so I hope that the product on the course or on the field or on the pitch, which, as you know, Greg, this has been happening yep. worldwide now in soccer. Newcastle is United the, is the most immediate example that comes to mind well, of that, by the way, to finish third. Now yep. Man U is going to be cutter-owned by the end of the week, perhaps, if the Glazers decide to sell to the Prince in Qatar. Um, so who knows Like where all this kind of goes. If you just want to see the best of sport – then you may have to check some of that. I don't know. I, I can't tell anybody how to think or right. how to feel. I just know that we love sports. I love sports. I want to cover sports. I believe in the PGA Tours product. And while it's now going to be funded a little bit differently and it doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, I still want to go You know, hope that I get to be on an Adam Shank winning call when he finally wins on the <laughs> PGA Tour or Denny McCarthy last week when he was brought to tears and it made me cry interviewing him after that playoff loss. Like, I still want to be a part of those human moments. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess I could be called a bit of a, a hypocrite for, you know, ignoring where the money's coming from, but I want to see those sports moments continue. And, you know, there's threats out there to take those away from us and, I don't know. Would I rather have no sport or some sport? I don't know. It's it's a really it's a really weird place to be as a sports media personality and a sports fan in 2023, given the economics of worldwide sport. And more and more of this is coming to the United States. Uh, after having gone through no sports three years ago, uh, I know what that's like, and I don't want to be a part of that either. Uh, and it, right. it, is, it is a yeah. it, it it is it is a uh, it, it's a quandary, and and that's putting it's it mildly. It's a huge quandary. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is, Greg. It's really hard. Like it, it's I'm not taking I'm trying not to take a side at all. Like you and I could have a beer, and I could tell you, yep, you know, way harsher sort of feelings and opinions on this one. But I think, you know, do I want to ruin people's livelihoods? from the performance you know, on the player standpoint, just for the sake of the right, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's a really, really hard position to be in. So the final question I've got for you is this, we'll end the discussion this way again, how, how much of this conversation makes the broadcast that you will do this weekend? Will you try to limit it to, Hey, he's got a seven, nine in his hands. He's a hundred and whatever yards out. Or does is it a mix of, Hey, here's the issues of the day. And now yeah, let's no. go over to 17. No, we'll be calling. I mean, be 100% golf. Um, it's there's really this is a great week for Canada for Golf Canada, which is a phenomenal organization. There's a number of great stories that deserve to be told, and I'd like to think that these days right now are reserved for these types of moments. But you know, when the light goes on, and I'm a play-by-play announcer. My job is to talk about the play sure. on the course, and so that's kind of where things go. And um, again, there's really not a whole lot to say. Yeah, that's that's the other thing too. From an organizational standpoint, excuse me, and someone who's working, you know, on behalf of the PGA Tour this week, nothing's changed about this tournament this week, and we don't have any information about next year. So in reality, there's really nothing to talk about. It's just that this announcement has, you know, opened up so many unanswered questions. You know, and if you scroll Twitter, you'll find a million people that'll tell you that it's not even going to happen because of right. you know antitrust issues and everything like that. So I mean. It's yeah, it'd be irresponsible to go on the air and take away from the play on the field, which kind of going back to my last answer is what I hope when the dust all settles, we still have. And that is 
great sports content stories and competition. And you get to talk about wildfires, too. So there's that you get to throw into the mix uh, over the yeah, course of the next How's the air? Is it, it the cold front come through after I left town? Is it, is it the haze kind of burning off? How are we doing up there? It is hazy here. It appears to be far worse uh, in, in the Northeast, which obviously is kind of where the, the tournament's going to be played. And I don't think a golf tournament gets postponed because of air quality. But as you know, I work in the soccer world. Um, I saw that that a, a couple of matches at the lower levels were canceled in the New York area today. I know that the, the Scranton team in AAA baseball didn't play last night because of wow. air quality issues. So, yeah, that, that's kind of interrupting our sports conversation as well. Uh, that's It's just kind of the, the world we live in, sadly. Hey, I appreciate your passion for this and your intelligence on the subject, as always. And uh, have a great call and just trying to be able to focus on the sport itself these next four days. Yeah, I'm looking forward to calling golf shots. There it's going to be a nice change of pace. Thanks, buddy. Well, Haskett, nice enough to join us again here on the Fan Midday Show. He is often hosting this program. And maybe one of these days, we actually get to work together. Yeah, I really don't mind having a partner on this program. Seriously. 317-239-107, the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show, too. Greg at 107thefan.com. Another breaking news story that really doesn't have anything to do with sports, but this person had a sports background. And I'll share that with you when we come back. Uh, a legend in an industry has passed away today. I'll tell you about that when we return. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Alec Pierce, we are next guest on the Hit Parade. Greg Rakestraw taking my turn at bat today on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, you just missed Will Haskett. Great conversation with him. He is next back in this chair on Wednesday. I am back next Tuesday on the cavalcade of stars that is the fan midday show. You missed Keegan Rothrock earlier in this hour. And again, uh, I cannot recommend the Lane Miller conversation enough to you. We will play that at some point in time around 2.30. Kind of depends on when Alec Pierce joins the program today. We've had one bit of breaking news during the course of the show from the IndyCar perspective, uh, Connor Daly and Ed Carpenter racing parting ways, new driver in the number 20 machine uh, when uh, they go to Road America as the next event on the IndyCar circuit. And I just happened to glance over to my right and notice this on SportsCenter uh, while I was talking with Will Haskin. So, Jimmy, if I told you that Hussein Khosro Ali Vaziri passed away, would you have any idea as to whom that would be unfortunately no i would not okay if i say the iron sheik has passed away and obviously uh because of uh his twitter presence which is not really him but because of his twitter presence his name has carried on well beyond his days in wrestling but the iron sheik passed away today at the age of 81 the Iron Sheik, uh, his his and 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 the timing of this was fortuitous. I am thankful that his story was told. Um, I, I I kind of peer in occasionally on Monday Night Raw, or I watched AEW a lot at first. I, I tend to have kind of fallen away from that. Um, like when I'm watching wrestling, I'm truly the middle aged dude because like I am I am like booking time to make sure I watch Dark Side of the Ring now. 
every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock on Vice. Um, I am I am watching reruns of like the WWE Legends series, and they did a new one in the last few months on the Iron Sheik. And so I kind of have some of these facts that are in the front of my brain. But the Iron Sheik was a body, bodyguard for the Shaw, another prominent amateur wrestler, which he was in Iran, uh, wound up dead, and he goes, probably time for me to hop a flight to the States. Literally hopped a flight. I think he went to Minnesota. Um, basically only knew how to say the name of another wrestler he competed against. So, you know, political exile refugee to United States in the late 60s. Becomes an American wrestling coach. He was a coach for the United States wrestling team at the Olympic Games in 1972. As you would do a lot in those days, as your amateur wrestling career is coming to an end, you end up going the professional wrestling ranks. Developed his Iron Sheet character after a few years. Uh, rocketed, you wouldn't say popularity back in those days. Realized he made a one hell of a heel, even though he had a really great American story in terms of coming here from Iran to escape the Shaw and that regime. But became the Iron Sheik. Was the bridge champion, late 83, early 84, to get from Bob Backlund to Hulk Hogan. So had a had a career in the WWF at that time for many years. Wrestled for WCW. Had a couple of more runs through with the WWF, and then kind of has this second life because of the Iron Sheik Twitter account. And I can't give you verbatim, you know, most of his tweets. But let me say, I'm, I'm trying to scroll down the Iron Sheik's Twitter timeline to be able to give you an example of his work. You dumb jabroni, you son of a, basically. Um, here, let me give you the, the last tweet of the Iron Sheik. And again, this was not Ali Kosro actually tweeting, okay? It was a, a parody slash tribute account. And this hit my sense of humor perfectly from last night. Whoever let the dogs out can go blank yourself. That was the Iron Sheik on Twitter. It was, all, it was always in capital letters. There was always some jabronis, the real Bubba that was involved in there. Not again his voice, but it was, it was, it was just so funny. And again, his story to come to the States is remarkable. So I'm going to let me. I'm trying to scroll through something here, um, just kind of in, in real time. So the account during the eleven o'clock hour basically posted to gather today. Today we gather with heavy hearts to bid farewell to a true legend, a force of nature, an iconic figure who left an incredible mark on the world of professional wrestling. It is a great sadness that we share the news of the passing of the Iron Sheik, but we also take solace in knowing that he departed this world peacefully, leaving behind a legacy that will endure for generations to come. He leaves behind his wife, Carol, of 47 years and children, Tanya, Nikki, Marissa, 
tragically uh, died several years ago, and a son-in-law, Eddie. Respect the legend forever, the Iron Sheik. And for all of us that grew up watching wrestling in the 80s, we feel a bit older today. When you're a wrestling fan, you get used to your le- you know the legendary figures leaving you early. At the age of 81, that wouldn't be considered early um, for some, but given the life that he led and the struggles that he went through, both as a wrestler and some things that were self-inflicted, that again, I I cannot recommend you go back and uh, go back and watch the Andy special. They they do a great job on all of those kind of biography personality pieces, but everything they had to tell in a two-hour window about him is well worth your time. But the Iron Sheik passes away today at the age of 81. And again, Hussein Khazro Ali Vaziri, his real name. So I want to make sure we shared that on the program today. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. You can also email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. We will hear from Alec Pierce at some point in time in the next segment of the show. After that, Lane Miller. The Indiana State baseball story is tremendous. His story is, to me, Maybe the greatest individual story as part of that collective team effort. We'll hear from him in the next hour of the show as well. Back in a moment, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You cannot go wrong with that era of Stevie Wonder for me on the program. My musical tastes tend to be more of the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s. If I'm dipping into the 70s, that is what I'm all about. Well done on the uh, soundtrack there, Jimmy Cook. 317-239-1070, the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, email as well, greg at 1070thefan.com. Lane Miller of Indiana State in the next segment of the program. You've missed Keegan Rothrock and Will Haskett already. Go to the podcast page at 1075thefan.com to hear that conversation. Alec Pierce, at some point in time, I know that Shane Steichen is speaking to the media, so they have wrapped up uh, kind of their OTA work today. Also, that Alec uh, was kind of sitting out with a bit of a foot issue uh, as well today, so we'll ask him about that uh, coming up uh, in just a matter of moments when we are able to track him down. Um, until Alec joins us, uh, of the variety of topics and ground that we have covered today, I had Will Haskett on the program to talk about this, and you probably heard kind of my questions i wouldn't even say concerns just kind of rambling through my own thoughts in leading to questions to get to will but i will talk about um kind of my thoughts on 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 live and pga and and i'll make an abrupt left uh if and when alec calls in during the course of that time and again we've now been dealing with this uh but for the better course of a year you know it was around this time last year when this kind of story broke and you know the the jaw-dropping amount of money that guys like dustin johnson um, you know, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, etc., took to go make a handful of appearances. Uh, and, you know, everybody was, I wouldn't say everybody, because there is no everybody anymore. Uh, you know, almost <laughs> whatever, whatever side or, or take or thought in life you have, 40% of people seemingly just, you know, will take the other side just to argue with you. Seemingly, it's how we're wired these days. But it was, for, for me, it was, even though I have respected the 
PGA Tour in terms of the meritocracy that it is, that you are never guaranteed a paycheck because if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid. It is part of one of the the ultimate incentives to play well. You make the top 70 of a tournament, you're going to make money. You win a tournament, you're going to make buku money. You win a major, um, you're both a legend in terms for winning that major, but you are financially well compensated. That has always been part of the allure to me. I understand as a player, if somebody is going to give you guaranteed money and there is no such thing as a cut and you're going to make your cash just for showing up, I understand why the player feels that way. Understand why my me as an audience member, as someone that isn't paying a ticket to go watch, but is investing of their time to watch an event, I understand why my my perspective is the way I feel I do and why I understand why your perspective is what it is. The PGA Tour, I thought there were guys that stood up for the PGA Tour, like a Rory McIlroy, that had a great deal of respect for. Uh, and other guys that said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not chasing the money. I am going to stay here. Um, I had a lot of respect for that. I never felt that the PGA Tour commissioner and Jay Monahan covered himself in glory. That that tends to be like a British soccer term, um, but I'll use it here. Like, even though I wanted to support like his side of the argument, his battle, I never felt like um, the way he delivered his messaging was something that I could get behind. Now there was a line that he used yesterday that um, clearly was uh, was flipped and turned against him uh, in various sources. Uh, Scott Van Pelton Sports Center that I was watching last night clearly was one of them, where the line was basically said this when, when 9-11 was invoked immediately at this time last year about why Live Golf was such a terrible thing, and while the investment fund from Saudi Arabia was such a bad thing, it was then talked about, well, you never had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour. It was a very fair point to make. But other things that he would say, other things that he would say certainly got my attention. I'm like, "Eh, that's, that's... Almost like there was a like cringeworthy or an ick factor there. So maybe I'm not surprised that 12 months later, dude has done a complete 180. And now seemingly, again, even though the end result, I think most people think is, is where we want it to go, is bringing all of these golfers back together again. The person that is uh, now disliked in, again, not all of the public opinion, but the person that's taken the most flack out of this is the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Just a little food for thought. If time allows, I will double back into it. But as advertised, Alec Pierce, kind enough to go straight from the practice field to the phone line to join us. Alec, it's Greg. Thank you so much for the time. And, and I know you were just a spectator today. Everything okay with that foot? Yeah, everything's all good. What is this process like for you going through this now a second time having having finally had some downtime from the end of last season to get ready for your second season knowing what to expect even with a different head coach how is it different for you the second time around uh it's it's a lot different a lot better experience you know just being able to go out there and 
not be all stressed about learning the plays, like where I got to line up, um, what route I got on this play, all that. It kind of just comes more naturally, so I'm able to go out there and you know think less about that and and use more of my uh, you know my mental space to actually think about the defense and look and see who's guarding me, how they're guarding me, uh, what the safety's doing, all that to see like if I can figure out the defense pre-snap and just you know adjust my route accordingly. Obviously, it it is a, it a different voice, it is a different staff, but there are mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities between you know Shane Steichen's background and Frank Reich's background. So so just how different is the offense compared to what you were running and learning a year ago at this time? Yeah, it's um it's honestly not not too much different. Um, I'd say it's like the same system. You know, might we probably have added some plays, cut out some plays tweaks and plays with slightly different routes, uh, what they like doing, what they like. And then obviously it comes down to them calling which plays they like. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very similar, I'd say, system-wise. Um, so, yeah, it, but just, you know, I think they're going to emphasize different types of, thing, types of things. And, you know, it, it might be we might be running the same play as we did last year, but they might be throwing the ball to a different spot, so it might look different, you know, because they might want to be more aggressive downfield or something like that. Alec Pierce, again, our guest, Greg Rakestraw here on 93.5 and, and 107.5, the fan. Um, that voice of Shane Steichen. Um, and obviously, you know, his first introduction to kind of everybody in the room is when OTAs first started back in mid-April. Um, I, I ask about difference of system, difference in manner of delivery. What's it been like playing for Coach Steichen so far? It's been great. He's a super smart guy. Um, you know, I really enjoy it. He, he kind of takes control and he'll, he'll – get up in front of us, you know, it's kind of splits time with our offensive coordinator and go up there, you know, and, and, and get on the film and kind of break stuff down for us. And you can just see, you know, all the football knowledge come out. Like, he's just a very smart guy, loves ball. Um, and it, you can always kind of, like, learn something from him when he goes up there and talks, like, just, like, little details. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I've been trying to pick up on that. You've obviously got two different uh, types of arms that are throwing to you these days as well in, in Gardner yeah. Minshew and, and Anthony Richardson. What is the learning process? I'll ask you more about Anthony Richardson coming up in a matter, and Gardner Minshew, frankly, as well. But as a receiver, when you now have a couple of different quarterbacks throwing it to you, what's that learning process like for you? Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's that big of a difference. You know, it's, we, I dealt with it a little bit last year. You know, it's just you just got to run your – I think it's more so on us. Like, we got to run our routes and be very consistent with it so that the quarterbacks know, like – because they might not always be going with the same guys, same receivers – um, so they just, you know, we all across the board got to be consistent with our routes and make sure, you know, we're all running the routes at the right depth and all that. So they, cause they're not going to be just throwing, like they're going to be working between the ones and twos and all that. So it's a lot of difference. Um, so we want to just kind of all be uniform as a receiver. Again, Alec Pierce here with us, Greg Rakestraw on uh, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. So the million dollar question, how's the rook looking? How's Anthony Richardson doing? He's doing great. He had a, he had a great day today. I thought, uh, you know, the talent is obviously there. Uh, incredible arm strength, really mobile. Um, like once he gets out of the pocket, and I'm excited to see what he can do once we get pads on. All quarterbacks have to have that it factor. All quarterbacks yeah. have to have that leadership ability. Do you see that in him already? Yeah, I see it in him. You know, he he seems like a guy that like, uh, very. You know, he he's a guy who's got that deep voice, and like when he when he talks, like everyone's gonna listen. You know, so um, yeah, he's definitely like working into getting in that leadership, uh, just you know, with his youth and all that. But um, he's got a great guy to learn from in Gardner and Sam, um, and I think he's I can feel him kind of you know growing with confidence and 
and growing as a leader already. I cringe at, at thinking that somebody that just turned 27 is the old guy. But in the quarterback yeah. room, he kind of is uh, in, in terms of Gardner and his status. It's going to be just his fifth year in the National yeah. Football League. But but just kind of quick thoughts on, on, on how you see him handling his role with this team this year. Uh, I think he'll handle it great. You know, he from from what I know of Gardner, he's a great dude, great leader. Um, and he's just going to be someone that's going to embrace his role and do whatever he can for the team, like whether that's, you know, being out there or being on the sideline, he's gonna he's gonna help Anthony a lot, um, and he's gonna be used a really really good guy, really good attribute for this team. I, I know that uh, obviously this has not exactly been a fun week. Uh, it's been fun in terms of what you've done on the field, but with the news that broke on Monday in terms of what we eventually learned was going to be Isaiah Rogers, how have you and your teammates kind of handled that over the course of the last forty eight hours? Yeah, um, you know, coach addressed us a little bit. And, you know, it's just – it's really all about just educating ourselves and making sure we completely understand the rules and, and whatnot because it, it seems like, you know, some people have – across the league, you see some guys are getting suspended for something, and, and there's really a lot more rules than, than meets the eye. So we had somebody come in from the NFL, like one of their lawyers, and come in and kind of explain the, the whole rules to us and, you know, making sure we just understand all that. You are a year removed from this, and when you are training full-time to get ready for the National Football League after completing your, your college days at UC, and you then, then you're learning a playbook, I know there is a, a lot that is thrown at you. Do you kind of remember yeah. kind of kind of like rookie symposium and, 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 and teaching moments last year? Is that something that was stressed to you heavily a year ago? What, just about learning the playbook? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. On, on the gambling front, on terms of just, hey, things oh. that things that you cannot do, uh, was was that something that was heavily talked about or addressed with you a year ago? Um, It was definitely talked about. Like, I, I think I understood most of it, but there are some kind of, like, subtle things that I didn't know were, were illegal or whatnot. Like, I, you know, obviously, you know you can't gamble on the NFL. Sure. Um, I thought you just couldn't gamble on any sports, but – I guess you can, but you can't do it at the facility or like team, on the team hotel or plans or stuff like that. So that's that's one of those things I think that you know people people are understanding now, which is good that they're coming out and they're kind of um, establishing those rules. I was like, Alec, it may be better off if you just went by the first the first thought. Just don't yeah, gamble, period. You're probably, probably better exactly. off. Yeah, uh, save uh, some money, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got a good perspective on it. Alec Pierce coming up to join right. us here on uh, 93.5 and, and 107.5 The Fan. All right, so since the last time you and I talked, um, you got to be a, a, an older brother and be a quite the basketball fan this spring. What was yeah. that run like for your yeah. brother at Princeton? Uh, it, was, it was great. It was incredible, you know, just being able to go out there and I was able to go to both uh, – or all three of his NCAA March Madness games, and that was incredible. And you know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm when we're done with uh, camp, I'm gonna be able to go home and see him. He's back home for the summer now, so excited to see both my brothers and just hang out with them. And I'm proud of them for what they're doing on the court. All right, how how, how are your basketball skills? Obviously, you picked football. Are you a hooper too? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I played up until my freshman year of high school. Yeah, I'm all right. I've never, never, never skilled as I'm more. Just added, so. <laughs> you now, I want, to, I want to play three on three tournament with them now. At, at some point in my life, that's that's a good after one. football's over. That's a, exactly. Wait, wait, wait until that point. Uh, you guys, I'll, base, be, Rod, I'll be Rodman. They're uh, just getting rebounds and setting screens, yeah, diving for loose yep. balls. 
Yep, that's me. That's a, that's a smart way to go about it. Um, you got one more week, obviously, of OTAs, and then you're on your own for, for the next 40 days. Um, do, do you Are you going through drills? Are you working on a regular basis? Or are you truly trying to get away a little bit here to rest your body and your mind before training camp starts up at the end of July? No, I'm going to be going at it. I definitely, you know, I'll, I'll there's some time there to enjoy some time with family, friends. Um, you know, you got holidays, 4th of July all that but i'm definitely you know at least during the week going to be going out of training hard because i you know i got to make up for some so a little bit of the off season so now that i'm healthy and good to go I'm just going to be going out there and just trying to get in the best shape i can and really like work on some things that i've been wanting to work on all, all off season do you try to get some time with gardner and anthony or just kind of go do your own thing while, while you're gone yeah we're definitely we're planning that right now so i think we're going to all try to get together at least for like a weekend or a week and, you know, get some catches in. That sounds good. Alec, go go rest up that foot. I appreciate your time after practice, and uh, I'll see you out there next week. Thanks again for the time. Yeah, thank you. You got it. Again, Alec Pierce, kind enough to join us here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And I want to also um, give a nod uh, to the Indianapolis Colts PR staff. And Matt Connie is, is the guy that heads that up. Uh, Steve Campbell is his boss, who's been a friend of mine for many years. But Matt, you know, there's a reason why the Colts PR staff has been voted one of the best in the National Football League. Um, they could have easily, because I actually reached out on Monday and said, hey, I'm hosting the show on Wednesday. And I knew what the schedule was. Hey, you can get me a player. Sure, great. Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's, here you go. And I texted back yesterday. I said, hey, I said, are we still good to have him on the program, um, you know, knowing what the story was on Monday? And the response was, yes. And if you were listening to Kevin and Query yesterday morning, Zaire Franklin maintained an appearance. So I appreciate the Colts continuing that. And I frankly appreciate Alex's honesty by saying, yes, someone was brought in and this was addressed by the league today. Hey, here's what you can do and here's what you can't do. And as I said earlier, uh, in terms of things you cannot do, you can't gamble on the National Football League if you are a current NFL player. You just can't. Some things in life you can't do, given who you are, what you do for a living, what your job is, what your responsibilities are. You just can't. And that's one of the things, whether it's a $25 bet or something greater than that, that you simply cannot do. You cannot gamble on a National Football League game, let alone a game that your team is playing in. Cannot do it. And the other thing that, that I will throw out there is this. Um, it's a little harder to get away with things like that these days. And I'm, I'm going to make a, a site reference here on, a, on an audio medium as I, as I hold up my phone here. Um, this thing kind of tracks like all of your moves and can ping like where wagers were placed in the world of a digital thumbprint and footprint, man, it's so much easier to leave a trail. And so if it's something that you think I can get away with that, no, you probably can't at this point in time. So clearly a life lesson that needed to be learned. And it's going to have an effect on this Colts season because, again, he was going to be expected uh, to play a significant role. And now I can't imagine any scenario where Isaiah Rogers is playing it down for the Indianapolis Colts or for anybody else 
in the near future. So thank you to Alec Pierce. He joins Keegan Rothrock and Will Haskett as those that have joined the program today. Podcast available, 1075thefan.com. Other things we have discussed, again, uh, Ed Carpenter Racing moving on without Connor Daly, new driver, the number 20. Uh, touched on that in the last hour of the show. Oh, yes. There's NBA Finals tonight, which you can hear on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Heat and Nuggets. Our pregame coverage begins at 7.30. Um, I'll be tuned in to watch. Um, I certainly hope you will be, too. Uh, Might there be a Heat Nuggets reference in the Jimmy Cook play of the day coming up in the final segment of the show? Very well could be. In fact, strong indications that there will be. <laughs> again, I'll I'll be tuned in, and again, and I said this last week, I'll be tuned in in part because of how these teams were constructed, and because of of you know how good of a player Jokic has been, and and wanting to watch him play, and how good Jimmy Butler has been, and that this is it's not the super teams, man. They're two very good teams. Um, the other thing that I would say is this, because so much has been talked about the Heat as a number eight seed, and absolutely they are. And if they win it, which I think they can, that would be historical. And and I'm not trying to change that. But as you have teams that deal with injuries, as you have teams that deal with load management, and you have players that aren't going to play 82-game schedules, we probably should not be as concerned with what a team seed is. Are the Miami Heat an upset story? Absolutely they are. Are they a bit of a Cinderella story? Well, I'm not sure if I'd go that far, A, because it's professional sports, and B, uh, because of how many times they have been to the NBA Finals. I mean, they are three years removed, and yes, I know it's the bubble. They're three years removed from being in the NBA Finals. And I do think Jimmy Butler is one of the better players in the NBA. I do. Clearly one of the better postseason players in the NBA. And yes, they're getting a key player back in Tyler Hero. Uh, they can be the underdog story because of their seed and because of the amount of, you know, undrafted free agents that are playing for that team. And guys that are, you know, the strings that Eric Spolstra is 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 having, is is pulling to make all of these pieces fit. So I'm not saying you shouldn't discount them. What I'm saying is this: I think you're going to see more runs by teams that are six, seven, and eight seeds. Because you're going to have more teams that simply say, you know what? As long as we're in the dance, we got a shot. Now, if you're 7, 8, 9, kind of like the, the Heat were 7, remember, and they lost that first play-in game, then had to come back and win the second game to be the number 8 seed. So really, they have the 7th best record in the Eastern Conference. I think you will see a lot of demarcation. Like, you want to at least get to 6, that way you don't worry about having a bad night or two and then being done, and you have no playoffs whatsoever. But I think, you know, the days of, of you know, the Warriors winning 73 games, it's not going to happen. I mean, the, the Nuggets, and I, I mean, I can, type, I can furiously type NBA.com slash standings and give you this exact answer. But in terms of the... You know, most wins this year during the course of the regular season. 58 by the Bucks. I mean, the Nuggets that we all, especially because how they played in the playoffs, they go, man, the Nuggets are a great team, right? I mean, the Nuggets were going to sweep the heat, right? 
And, and, and if you were so confident a team was going to sweep somebody, go, man, the Nuggets like won 60 games. The Nuggets won 53. They just happened to be. Because in the East, that would have put them as the four seed. In the West, they're the one because the West only had three teams who were 10 games above 500. You want to know why? The Suns, the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, all kind of veteran teams. Some of those teams made major moves during the course of the year. Suns and Lakers obviously come to mind. But you've also got some guys that were simply resting up because they simply knew, hey, as long as we get to the show, we're going to be okay. And so what the Heat are doing, great accomplishment. Do the Heat as an eight seed have a chance to uh, be the NBA champs? Absolutely they do. We probably shouldn't get caught up as much on seeding because if you're the five or the six, and you managed to win one road game in a series like the Heat just did, guess what you now have? Home court advantage back on your side. I'll be watching Heat and Nuggets, and when, I've, when I'm out and about on this Wednesday evening, um, I'll be listening to the game on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Now, I'll be watching, like, you know, the third and fourth quarter. I'll be busy calling basketball tonight. I've got the Indiana Junior Senior All-Star Doubleheader from Cathedral High School. You can watch it pay-per-view on ISCSportsNetwork.com. We'll take this quick timeout. When we come back, I've been teasing up this interview all day long. Lane Miller, he's the number three pitcher for the Indiana State Sycamores. He was a batting practice pitcher until the end of March. He'll explain, and we'll have that conversation next. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back. It is the Fan Midday Show. Greg Rakestraw getting my turn at bat this afternoon here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. And clearly a story that has been captivating to us for the last couple of weeks, and frankly, their story has been great all year, is that of the Indiana State Sycamores. We'll get into playing TCU at TCU coming up in a few minutes. But, you know, Mitch Hannes has been on with me. He's been on with JMB. That's been great. I wanted to kind of, you know, go to one of the players and I was fortunate enough to be there when kind of his story to this year started. You've heard the story told about Lane Miller, who went from student assistant to batting practice pitcher to undefeated on the mound for the Indiana State Sycamores. I'm be fortunate enough that I was on the ESPN Plus call the night that he got the ball for the first time against Purdue. So I've been following this now since March 28th, and I am thrilled that he is joining us now on the show. Lane, congratulations, man on one heck of a run uh, I know you barely had time to kind of stop and, and take this all in what have these last two months been like for you uh, it's been a roller coaster ride honestly I mean I've been very fortunate to get to do what I've done thus far obviously we have a lot more to go and do but honestly it's just been a blessing uh, you work and you work from the time you start playing baseball to this point to go to a regional, go to a super regional and so forth. But obviously my story started two months ago, three months ago, and I've worked for years and years to get to that point to finally reach that point and showcase what I can do for my team. Uh, it's obviously not been possible without my team, but it's, it's, been amazing honestly all right so there's there's a couple of different stories to tell here and so the first one is when you're kind of approaching the off season with basically saying hey listen 
we've got a spot on the roster for you, but maybe not a, a spot on, 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 for lack of a better term, a 40-man roster. So kind of yep. walk me through the conversation when Mitch and staff come to you and say, hey, we've got a spot for you, but it's as a student assistant coach. Uh, so that was a tough decision, obviously. I kind of had to soak it in, kind of think about it a little bit. But then again, I really didn't think about it. It was kind of a quick turnaround. He asked me one day, and I said, can I give you – a little bit of time and he said yeah sure you take the weekend or whatever it was and uh, it was the next morning at practice came to him and said hey listen i i want to do this uh i want to allow other guys to be able to do what they can do with the facilities be on the team do all that kind of stuff and i'm just going to help this team where i can uh when i can do whatever it takes to make these guys better um and it obviously grew into throwing batting practice you know doing scouting reports hitting fungos just anything and everything i could possibly do that's what my job was at that point in time and it really came second to none that i was just you know what this is what i'm gonna do uh baseball is bigger than myself bigger than me playing baseball and to be around the team and to be around the game of baseball was it was good enough for me obviously I would love to play and whatnot, but I was fortunate enough to have the opportunities that I did. So it really was a no-brainer for me. So, yeah. So then at one point in time, um, obviously around mid to late March, was this you that went to the coaching staff and said, hey, um, I'm doing pretty well in BP here. Was this your <laughs> teammates? How, how did the coaching hat get lifted off of you? And all of a sudden, you're back on the 40-man for a Tuesday game. No, obviously, through a, through a, I don't know, 50-game season, a lot of things can happen, and whether that's injury, guys are fatigued, guys are tired. I mean, pitching rotation changes all year. You start with what you think could end up with at the end of the year, but throughout the whole year, that kind of changes and dwindles down and becomes what it is and what it has at this point. But I didn't go to the coaches to say anything. They came to me. It was one of those... I was still batting practice those guys, and it started out, you know, the typical 40, 50 feet, and then it was, you know what, I'm going to give these guys everything I got, so let's get it back to 60 feet, 6 inches, throw it as hard as I possibly can so these guys can see a live arm for upcoming weeks. And, you know, when we were at UK, that's when it kind of was like, you know, just throw it as hard as possible, throw sliders, do whatever it takes. And then it just kind of grew into, okay, let's get on a mound and throw BP to these guys, like, once or twice a week, but BP the other days. And the coaches kind of saw it. The hitters kind of talked about it like, oh, Lane's kind of – Lane's kind of hard to hit. So it kind of grew into <laughs> – it kind of kind of grew into we needed an arm against Purdue. We had right. a, had used a lot of arms that weekend before. And it was, well, the coaches – obviously I was in the coaches' office. And it was like, well, who are we going to throw? And Coach Hannah said, you know what, Lane, you're going to throw tonight. So it kind of just was – I wouldn't say spur of the moment. I think Coach Hannes has a reason and a purpose behind everything that he does because that's just him. But came to me and said, listen, you're you're throwing against Purdue. Let's see what happens. So so, so with that, um, I will, I will kind of ruin the surprise. You get handed the ball. You threw eight innings. You gave up eight hits, yep. two runs through 98 pitches and, and got the yep. win. You, you guys won that game eight to two. What yep. was your expectation? How long did you think you'd be on the mound that night? Uh, going into the game, I knew that I had absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, I think that's what separated me from, you know, throwing one to two innings. It was I could stress out and be in frantic mode before the game, or I could go out and say, you know what, let's just 
see what happens. You know what I mean? And that's what I did. I went out and literally just tried to see what would happen, see what I could do. I didn't change anything from when I threw BP or when I would throw with the teammates or anything like that. Just kept doing literally what I was doing in practice. And it worked out in my favor and ended up going eight innings, had great defense behind me. I mean, I think at that point in time, it was – let hitters hit the ball. You have the number one defense sure. behind you. Uh, and with a defense like ours, if they put the ball in play, most times they're not, they're going to get an out. So it was, let's just throw the ball where it needs to go and get out. And that's really all I did. Um, kind of just left the stress at home and did what I needed to do. And, and let, me, let me point this out to folks. Um, at the time, Indiana State was 11-11. and 11. Since yep. Lane was inserted in that game, uh, I believe now the record would be thirty-four and four since that decision yep. happened back on March twenty-eighth. Yeah. And then to make the story even better, so all of a sudden you pitch that well on Tuesday. And normally, if you're going to be the midweek guy, you'll come back the next Tuesday. Now yep. you're the number three guy the next weekend. So how was that arm feeling the next day to where you're ready to go p- pitch the following Sunday? I think at, at that point in time, I was throwing so many pitches. Uh, throughout the week that it was kind of nothing, if that makes sense. I mean, sure. uh, coming coming from a pitcher, it's hard to believe, like, oh, he threw this many pitches this day, his arm's going to be sore the next day. But really, it, it wasn't. So it was one of those, Coach Hannes kind of said, well, you don't need to be ready until Sunday. And I said, okay, so I'm going to pitch on Sunday. Because I didn't know at that point in time, was it just going to be a one-time thing or was it going to be uh, needed, just be, get used when needed or what? But it turned into, okay, Okay, Coach Hannes just said you're going to pitch on Sunday. So that's where we took it, and that's what we did. And, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's it's honestly been mind-blowing to me personally, but it is what it is. We've, we've, we've been winning ballgames. So, so here, here's the stats for Lane, folks. 277 ERA. He's 7-0. He's now started 10 more times since that time and has not been beaten. Walked 14, struck out 38 opposing batters, hitting 219. So in, in a season full of remarkable stories for a team, your story to me, I, I, I get goosebumps just kind of telling those details and thinking about being there the first night when there were no expectations by anybody, let, let yeah, alone for, for, no. for you going in. So I, I guess, is this like a, a, a second chance, a, a last hurrah? How do you describe it? A blessing. It's honestly been a blessing to, you know, you could sit there and watch all the success happen in front of you and watch us win a championship and win a regional and go to Super Regional and all that kind of stuff, and which it would have been great and awesome. And being there to witness those guys do those kind of things, to, to, but to be a part of it, it, it's honestly a blessing, and it's, it's it's a feeling that you can't really describe unless you're there or in our locker room or around these guys, and it's it's amazing. It really is. Now, have you thought at all, because I, 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 and I'll let you explain in a second what's coming up for you in the fall, but you had already kind of made plans for life after baseball. Are, yep. you, are you changing that at all, or, or, or is whenever this run ends, and I hope for you it's the last game in Omaha, I hope it's when the run ends for you and your teammates, yep. I hope that's when the credits finally roll, but is, is yep. that going to be it for you, or are you thinking about maybe keeping pitching after this year? <laughs> at this point in time, that, that's going to be it, okay. honestly. I mean, I haven't looked towards the future other than what the future has entailed up to this point, and I mean, I can't really – think about anything else i mean it's it's one game at a time like we say but it's also one day at a time you just 
enjoy what we're living in right now, enjoy what we're doing right now, and the rest will take care of itself. I mean, obviously, what I've gone through and my story, it all took care of itself. Obviously, we were sitting in February and early March, and I was thinking I was never going to throw a baseball at that point in time, and obviously, I've thrown a lot of baseball since then, so... You never know what's going to happen. You never know what can take place. But, yeah, as of right now, my, my, my time will be done at that point. E- even dudes that are in their mid-40s think back to when they last played and go, man, if I had one more chance. Your, your, your duration was much shorter than most, but you got that second yeah. chance. Again, it's, it's what makes your story remarkable. So now let's tip up, tell people, what I, I think it's August, what you've got coming up. What's next for you? Uh, so in September, my plan as of now is to go to officer candidate school with the United States Marines. Um, obviously, I still have to get accepted and all that kind of stuff, but the ball has already started rolling, and the plan and paperwork's been taken care of, and that is the next step in my life is to follow in my little brother's footsteps. And, yes, I do say little brother following in his <laughs> footsteps. It's, sometimes roles are reversed in that sense where the little brother falls the, the big brother, but for me it's it's big brother falling little brother, which is amazing. And can't be more proud of him and what he's accomplished and I kinda of saw what he went through when he went through boot camp and what he dealt with and I was truly inspired. I mean, you think about little kids being inspired by athletes and baseball players and stuff like that. We saw it out here at Bob Warren this weekend, but I think I was the one that was fanning over my little brother when he went through Marine boot camp at uh, Paris Island and got to experience that from a civilian civilian lifestyle and I kind of wanted to make the step and follow in his footsteps. So, Well, yeah. you, you can tell from this conversation, folks, Lane kind of has it together. Let me tell you about the latest honor that happened on Tuesday. He was named the MVC Baseball Scholar Athlete of the Year, a 393 GPA. You've already got your undergrad degree, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So you've been working on, on your master's degree in communications. And obviously, in this conversation, he's been communicating with me quite well. Lane Miller, our <laughs> guest, uh, Greg Rakestraw here on 93.5 and, and 107.5, the fan. All right. A couple quick things, and then we'll let you go because you literally have like a plane to catch uh, to, to get down <laughs> to uh, to Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, again, I, I talk about trying to make take a moment just to look around and, and, and breathe this all in. Because you didn't get the ball until Sunday, maybe you had that on Friday and Saturday. What was last week? weekend like to have Iowa, North Carolina, and Wright State at your yard and to have 2,500 people there screaming their heads off for everything you did well? Uh, I don't even know if there's one word to describe all of it. Honestly, it was so many different emotions all in one spot. I mean, you, you think of excitement, you think of stress, you think of happiness, you think of all these different words to describe a feeling, but... Bob Warren had every single feeling you could think of. I mean, fans were covering their eyes in stressful situations. Players were excited. I mean, it was truly everything you could feel out there with the Terre Haute community coming out each and every game and showing everything that showing everything that we've worked on for them and winning a regional title for them. And it, it was amazing, honestly. All right, so middle this week, uh, or at least Monday, once we saw that Arkansas wasn't going to win, it was like, hey, TCU's coming to Terre Haute. Uh, because of other circumstances, that yeah. is not going to be the case. And I, I don't expect you to kind of go in-depth on this, but I, but I guess just wanted to get your perspective from you and the other 45, 50 guys in the room. How are you handling it, knowing you now have a business trip to take care of to go down to Fort Worth and, and then try to make it to Omaha after that? Like you said, it's a business trip. I mean, it's a different. It's another game. It's another place. This team's used to traveling. This team's used to playing on the road. Uh, 
back in February, early March. That's all we did. So it's we just get to do it in June now. So going to take it with everything we can. We're going to pack our bags tonight and tomorrow, and we're going to hit the road and do what we got to do. So going to be a big weekend, win two, go on to Omaha, and that's that's all we can think about. So, yeah. Well, from the team perspective, I hope you don't get the ball on Sunday because you've won the first two games. Uh, but, exactly. But I know exactly. that if you do get the ball in game three, life has prepared you for this moment. I am so happy for you. Again, your story has been one of the favorite ones I've had the chance to to be a part of and, and tell in a small fashion, even if it was just for that one day and, and then for the days after it. I'll always be rooting for you. Thank you so much for the time, and best of luck to you and your teammates. Roll trees this weekend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that's Lane Miller, and that conversation took place last night because literally, uh, I think they're on the bus to the airport in Indianapolis as we speak, uh, flying down to Fort Worth. And again, um, I, I want to see Indiana State be successful because I always root for the local teams. I always root for the little guy. Having a background in small college athletics and low to mid-major Division One athletics, I know that the deck is stacked against the Indiana States of the world, against the TCUs, Iowas, and North Carolinas of the world. Uh, they've already gotten past a couple of those. Now have a chance to to get one more. Again, it's, it's part of why I'm upset that they couldn't be at home this coming weekend because it would have been the Big 12 team coming to Terre Haute. That's the way it should have been. It didn't work out that way. And, and I'm not telling you not to be upset at the way things played out, um, but – but I hope those kids can, uh, well, can can cash a check that was written by somebody else, and 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 handle adversity, and get on to Omaha and continue this wonderful story. And I hope for that young man who thought that as of February and March, hey, I'm I'm done, and I I didn't get to end or write the script that I thought I, it would be. I think like the longest outing of his career was like five innings. So I'm sitting there kind of ch- trying to rifle through his notes as I'm doing that game against Purdue on ESPN Plus at the end of March, and he's having this career game. And like the 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 example that I thought of was like being a Reds fan and watching Jose Rio pitching in 2002. Like Jose hadn't pitched in five years. He literally had like no ligament in his elbow. It was like being held together with scar tissue. And he's out there getting Barry Bonds out in a game. And it's, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but it's kind of the first thing that, that came into my mind. When you're told, hey, you're done. We, we're gonna, we got a scholarship for you. We got a spot on the roster for you. But you're not going to be an active player your last year of college baseball. And one of the things that, as a college athlete, you get to carry your career on more than most do. You're of the select few that made it past high school. But then there's only a select few of that group that make it onto being a pro. You can always say, hey, I played longer than most. But you at least want to be able to dictate on your terms, here's the last that I played. And you're told, hey, you're not going to get that chance. But then uh, a twist of fate, things turn, and then you do you take the ball and run with the way that that kid did. It's phenomenal. 393 GPA and is going to be entering the Marine Corps. That's pretty remarkable stuff. So congratulations to him. And by the way, what a year for Boonville, Indiana, athletically. Devin Mockaby comes from nowhere to be the star tailback at Purdue. Boonville. Lane Miller comes from student assistant coach 
to being 7-0 and with a sub-3 ERA as a weekend starter for a team that's made the Super Regionals? Boonville, Indiana. Good for the pioneers and the folks in southwestern Indiana. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Go back and listen to it anytime at 1075thefan.com. We got to get to a break. I'll come back and try to make sense of this. Then I'll switch seats just so JMB's all pissed off at 3 o'clock. That comes your way next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back for the final time this afternoon here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Thanks to our wonderful guest today, Keegan Rothrock, Will Haskett, Alec Pierce, and Lane Miller. Catch all of those conversations on the podcast page at 1075thefan.com. Jimmy, let's make some folks some money today, shall we? The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, we're going to take the New York Yankees to one of the money line against the Chicago White Sox. Also going to take the Denver Nuggets to one of the money line against the Miami Heat in that same game. Give me Nikola Jokic over 28.5 total points. And maybe I'm bitter because I had one and a half last night and it was eight to three and I don't have anything against the Reds, but the bet lost anyway because they came back and everybody's happy. But the return to glory does not start tonight. Doubling down. Give me the Dodgers outright this evening over the Red Legs. One and two yesterday, two and four on the week. That's what we got. Boo. <laughs> team Reds all the time. Not like the Dodgers, you know, are a far better team and have a lot more money and talent. Forget you and your logic. We're all jumping on the a la Major League One. Who are these guys? Cincinnati Reds. And again, I, I, I'll be the first to admit to you, man, I have, uh, I wouldn't exactly say, I'll, maybe I'll reference Major League Two. I'm not Randy Quaid in Major League Two. I've been giving up on my team. It's been much more of an apathetic slide into I don't care uh, than it has been. This just angry, I'm never rooting for this team again. No, I've, I've, I've left the door open. Um, but if like you spit a bunch of names at me, you could get me on whether just some random dude or does this guy actually play for the Reds? So I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I like have the, the pitchers on the Reds roster up right now. Okay. If you had given me a bunch of names, the only one that I would have been absolutely sure about pitched for the Reds was Hunter Green. Everybody else, I'm like, like I think I would have like I think Andrew Abbott made his major league debut this weekend. Ashcraft, I think I would have said, yeah, I think I've heard of that guy. But the other guys, I'm like, nah, no, I'm, I'm not sure. I would have known about uh, Kurt Casale and Tyler Stevenson. Those guys, I would have known. Ellie De La Cruz, because he being a prospect. Matt McClain being a prospect. Uh, Jonathan India, because of, of, of you know, my goodness, are already talking about training to make room for somebody else. Um, and because of his luxurious hair, I would have known him. Um, but, like, even even the outfielders, I would have been like, yeah, that, I, I think he plays for the team. I know that Joey Votto's on a rehab assignment, so... Uh, I said, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I grew up and that was my team. 
and I have largely kind of checked out on the Reds. And you can think of me what you want for that being the case. When the team, when, when they stop caring about winning, I stop caring about the team. But I am allowing myself the opportunity to opt back in. And it seems that that might be the time. But forget me. You know what I noticed at Reds, at Reds baseball last night? Actual human beings in the building. Whether that's all for Ellie De La Cruz or just because the team is starting to win a few more games. But, you know, there have been nights where that has been the full-on witness protection program. Watching them play at Great American Ballpark. But last night, real, honest-to-goodness people were there cheering on the Reds. So I'm not sure if it's going to be this year. I'm not sure if it's going to be next year. But it does seem like they have stocked the pantry. But there is some talent on the way, and that talent is starting to make its way to Cincinnati. Let me pull me back in towards this baseball thing. All right, Jimmy, you have heard me pontificate on about a variety of topics today. Um, often days you are in this kind of co-host role. You were nice to kind of give me the floor and give me my space when I am hosting this show. So of the general topics we have talked about today, what piqued your interest the most? It's hard to not move past the messy news. I know yeah. this is not the market for it, even though it's... It's okay, it can be. It can be, and it's We're it's building a 20,000-seat stadium indeed, here, and indeed. there's there's something to that, yeah. Correct. There'll be a women's professional team here in a couple of years, yes. Right. Who, won, by the way, won a huge game last night. Congratulations to the Indy 11 women. Big 2-0 win against the Racing Louisville Academy. Probably sets them up to win their division with five games left to go. So thanks for bringing that up so I can get that shameless plug in. Now you were saying about Leo. I mean, it just as the joke is always and this doesn't change with him arriving but the joke is always the mls is the retirement league it's where these superstar players that are done overseas they come to the mls and they make a path here and the growth and continued respectability of mls has been fun to see over the last couple of years but whether you want to call it a retirement league or not it's one of the biggest in terms of international allure to it signing of that course that league's ever had right maybe in the history of all I would, sports here i would still put the the beckham sign him as one okay even though mess i mean has there been a messy movie was there a beckham movie yes there was <laughs> um but that's not the reason i'm saying that the reason i'm saying is that is the spot that mls was in at that point in time you know where it was it was not doing well trying to keep the lights on now mls is is doing very well and again is mls going to be ever going to be the nfl i don't think so is it going to be the nba i don't think so but as it carved out its own niche especially with fans that are more your age than they are mine absolutely they have and again because of how this is structured now with 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 apple People anywhere in the world can log on and watch him play, and that is mammoth for Major League Soccer. So on that on that retirement, hey, this is where you go to get your last paycheck. Okay, it's funny that has now kind of become almost China and Saudi Arabia more than Major League Soccer. Right. Um, but it was wise for Major League Soccer, obviously, to do a deal with Beckham. But then you know, guys after that like Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, et, et, et cetera. Uh, Robbie Keane, Robbie was really good here. Um, more so than Lampard and, and poor Gerard was was uh, was awful uh, in, in his brief time that he played her. He was done done 
uh, by the time he got to the States. The attention you get from signing those players is worth it, even if somebody overseas poo-poos it. But you are now to the point in terms of Major League Soccer where, you know, Liga Emeki still has a one-up, and there was there was a big win this weekend with Leon beating LAFC in terms of the um, you know Concacaf Champions League final. Seattle won it last year, but a Liga Emeki's team got it, and we'll have this League's Cup that takes place during the course of this summer uh, to be able to again see who is the better league, Mexico or MLS. But MLS is not far from potentially being the best league outside of Europe in the world. And that's saying something. Not bad for a league that didn't start playing until 1996. For a league that literally is less than 30 years old. And is it ever going to be the Premier League? No, I don't expect it will be. But you go out and you find the best talent you can. And this is the intersection of finding great talent and finding... an attention-grabbing talent that will put far more eyes on your product, both domestically and internationally, and everybody wins. You know, Tiger Woods made everybody in golf a lot of money, okay? Leo Messi, for as long as he is going to be in Major League Soccer, is going to make everybody a lot of money. Thank you very much for joining us. Jimmy, always fun to work with you. We'll do it again next Tuesday. John is coming in next. Again, our guest, Keegan, Rock, uh, Keegan Rothrock, Will Heskett. Uh, Will Haskett. I'm over to a naming guest. I'm out of things to say. Alec Pierce and Lane Miller. Again, podcast available at 1075thefan.com. All those conversations were great. I highly recommend the Lane Miller conversation to you. Thanks for putting up with me. Go to ISC Sports Network, 6 o'clock for the Indiana Junior Senior All-Star Game. We'll talk to you soon.